Blog Talk Radio. All right. All right, yeah. Uh, You guys want to start the show? Let's start the show.
the clock going. We have 20 minutes. All right. That's all the memory I have in that thing. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. So we're talking to, is it Chris Villian? Chris Villian. Villian. Yes, I, just, I, didn't, I didn't want to say Villian. No, it's all good. It's, it's a common to, mistake. So <laughs> I, I wanted to hear on the side of caution. <laughs> uh, and then Dre, how do you say your last name? Roname. Like Romaine lettuce. I would have actually got that. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. There we go. Um, I was almost like, I want to hear how you, how you want to say it. <laughs> Ronay, Ronay. Um, and you are the one that's in that awesome show. Yes. Uh, I was on Todrick. You're a, you're a, you're a cosplayer, a YouTuber, uh, you're a model. I'll, I'll, okay, I'll check to look. L- okay. Look, I have nothing Listen, to go on. You know what? In her <laughs> defense, in her defense, I don't even know what this says because I told my manager, like, do you have a, a headshot and bio? And I was like, yeah, uh, but I was doing something, and I was like, they have them for last year, right? He's like, oh yeah, we'll figure something out. So I don't even know what that says. I thought this was supposed to be like a little blurb, not like a full resume. So. <laughs> well, our, uh, one of our previous guests was Mac, and he's kind of they, a page. They gave me nothing. They, they said, send us your bio, and I was like, like a blurb? All right, yeah, yeah. sure. Oh my God. I kept it short and sweet. Okay, okay? so <laughs> what, let's, let's just focus on the very first line. It says that you are a geek of all trades. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so what, is that, what the hell does that mean? Um, so... Well, geek obviously goes with that I'm just kind of like a nerd and everything I do is based on fandom pretty much. But I kind of do it all. Like I started out, um, I started out with acting, um, like in middle school and high school and stuff like that. And then from acting, I realized that I really liked becoming the characters and creating the characters. So that's where cosplay started for me. And then from that, makeup artistry. So I moved to LA four years ago to be a makeup artist, and I like fell onto this MTV show, and like that kind of took off my career. And then just from all these projects I was working on, my social media just kept growing, and like from the people I was meeting, um, and then um, YouTube started, and it all just kind of like blew up, and now here I am. I, I, I try to explain what cosplay is. Yeah. To like you know another another generation sure. o- o- older than me. Yeah. Um, and it's um, it's really hard to kind of nail down because it's not just dressing up because it's yeah. like the other thing that it's not is although it, I guess it can be it's just like smoking hot chicks dressing provocative. It's, you know what? It's, it, it's a corner of I, I know it is. <laughs> yeah. But like but you know even when I try to show that side of it mm-hmm. I like I have to like kind of justify it all. But yeah. These girls make their own stuff. They're yeah. painting, they're making their own molds, they're cutting their own it's fabric. A, there's an yeah. artistry behind it's, it. It's nothing but artistry. Yeah. yeah. I think it, I have just massive respect for mm-hmm. cosplay. It's not just buying like a Halloween costume. It's yeah. Yeah. nothing. Yeah. Maybe that's what, when it first started. Sure. Like, I'm Captain America. That's, that's is, exactly what I did Halloween as I bought night. a Halloween costume <laughs> yeah, for yeah. my first cosplay. I like, I like to tell people, like when I explain to people like what, they're like, what's cosplay? Um, I like to say first off that cosplay is a combination of the words costume and play, and so mm-hmm. cosplay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like to preface it with it's like Halloween 24/7, except sometimes we make our own things, and it's more of a, an appreciation for the character or fandom we're dressing up as. Like yeah. usually, I mean, I can speak for both of us. Yeah. If we're cosplaying as a character, like I can quote that character. I know all about that yeah. character, where we come from, like right. height, weight, and like all that stuff. And so we're just 
very nerdy about like what we do in that sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like a facial thing too. Oh know? yeah. You can't be like mannerisms. You know, um, a, a Joker that doesn't smile or a happy Batman. <laughs> you know, you exactly. Have to be that, be yeah. That person. And well, body like uh, yesterday, so um, Chris and I just debuted um, new cosplays we did yesterday was um, gender bent Beast Boy and Raven. So I was Beast Girl, and then you said your Rowan was that your. I don't know what we decided guy on name? a guy name of Raven but would be, but everyone <laughs> thought <laughs> everyone thought that Chris was in a terrible mood yesterday, and he kept saying Raven. he kept yeah. saying he kept saying like, no, I'm just being Raven. Just, like, Raven is really upset and just kind of just like cold and like whatever. Yeah. And everyone kept saying like, are you okay, Chris? Well, it's very, it's well, very <laughs> opposition to my character normally because I'm like I'm very like a happy-go-lucky like weirdo, and so the fact that I wasn't I think just smiling period, people were like, oh, what's wrong? Because you yeah. actually like part of the play part of the costume part is yes. you become them. Exactly. Yeah. And so you kind of embody those things. We we saw a, a Spider-Man, mm-hmm. a black-suited Spider-Man, and he was sitting in the front right next to one of the one of the old gas lamp um, lights, uh-huh. posts, right? So he's sitting, it kind of looks like he's high up, right? Sure. He's sitting next to this light, and he's just sitting there, and he's just on his phone, and he's just kind of doing... Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, God, he looks like Spider-Man there. Like, it's just like, <laughs> Spider-Man would be, like, talking to himself because he's got no one else to talk oh to. You know, like, um, yeah. it was just, like, it was so neat. It was also, it's what a teenager would do. That's what Spider-Man would do. Like, yeah. I was yeah. just like, and Spider-Man was also, like, the biggest dork of all the superheroes. Yeah. Yeah. Constantly, you know, yeah. doubting himself and questioning himself. And yeah. So he really became that Spider-Man, and I believe he made that suit because I've never seen that yeah, before. It looked, right. yeah. it looked right. I feel and like so an outsider coming into, like, a convention like that, that's, like, one of the big appeals is that you don't realize going in. It's like you get yeah. the play aspect, the character role-playing stuff, yeah. and people are like, wait, it's so cool. Like, I felt like I met Spider-Man, you know? Mm-hmm. I, it's got to be the biggest draw of it. And then, you know, also you guys get to become these people for mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, it's got to be really empowering. Um, and the other thing, too, that I've... Uh, we were big supporters of the... Um, I think it was called Cons for Consent a few years back, mm-hmm. um, which was basically this kind of movement that, uh, you know, just because we're dressed up doesn't yeah. mean that you can just take pictures of us whenever yeah. you want to. Absolutely. Just come up yeah. and look yeah. up and just throw a hand yeah, 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 yeah. It's, like, yeah. really yeah. important. It's really important. It's really important. Yeah. How do you think that that movement has, has done mm. over the, few, the last few years? And um, I think just from it's hard for me because like as a female um cosplayer i don't do a lot of like scantily clad cosplays not because i like wouldn't just that they're some of the characters the characters i've cosplayed just don't happen to be sure. they happen to be wearing clothing so <laughs> i don't get a ton of like the creepy like the creepy guys i get them every once in a while but yeah. i feel like it's so much less than like friends of mine who do more revealing cosplays the after a con they'll just be like emotionally drained like i had to like get away from like so many like creepy you know obviously it's usually men and it's it's hard because also if you're a, like a well-known cosplayer you don't want to be like oh, can i swear or not swear? Oh, okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know if you're like a well-known cosplayer and a guy comes up and like touches your arm like you don't want to be like get the fuck off me yeah. like because it's like you kind of have like to be professional on that like so you're trying to be nice about it and like they never get the hint yeah. so yeah. luckily i usually like um i'm like we're here with our friend tyler also or like one of us if we see something happening, we'll kind of swoop in and be yeah. like, hey, like, you know. Hey, why don't like, you take a picture? Oh, all of us take a picture. Yeah, yeah. Let's, or like, oh, God, we got to go to that thing. Like, we have that yeah. panel we yeah. got to run to. Mm-hmm. So that. You guys have a, 
like the, he's kind of the cooler at the casino. Like people are starting to win. <laughs> yeah. He comes and just kills the table. Yeah, <laughs> but I definitely, I, I obviously the just the cosplay is not consent movement is getting people to talk about yeah. it. People are more aware of it, and I think a lot of times. Some the guys that are doing it don't realize that they're making yeah. these women or like even men. It happens to men too. Sure. Um, uncomfortable by doing it, so make being there's, vocal there's about it at yeah. least. Hopefully, is being there, like maybe like don't do that. Yeah. Like I, absolutely, maybe don't do that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> our we we had we had covered this years ago, mm-hmm. and one of the themes that came out of this particular episode was just like, you know, just going way back to when I was a little kid, mm-hmm. you know, and your mom tells you, you know. Don't touch girls. Like, don't be. It's as simple as that. Like, (laughs) Like, it's just really, like, don't do it. You know, like, get permission. I feel like it's interesting, especially because the cosplay community and the convention community, there's this, the the crowd that it draws usually tends to be intermingled with a lot of people that aren't the most socially inept, you know what I mean? And that maybe aren't used to. They're a little clumsy. Yeah, yeah. So there's a weird balance of, like, there are people that are, like, very ignorant to the the norms the norms and like if they're making people uncomfortable mm-hmm. um but then there are also people who very much take advantage of it so i, I like that the movement ex- like is is becoming a bigger thing and is a topic of discussion because it just gets people to talk about it yeah and i think even from when i started cosplaying it's only been like i started cosplaying in like 2015 um and just over the span of like these last three years just like Interactions between like, hey, is it okay if I put my arm on you? Is that okay? Like for a picture, like yeah. I like, ask everything. Yeah, but I, yeah, you know, <laughs> back in like even like as soon as 2015, I don't remember that being a thing. So like, it's very comforting to see that yeah. start to happen. You know. Yeah, and I think I do that always like with my fans. Um, not so much because I will I will say 99% of the time, like when a fan runs up to you, they want to hug you or put their arm around you and stuff. But I always start off with I'm always the first one to say. Like, hey, is it okay if I hug you? So it puts it in their mind, like, oh, maybe I should ask. Ask, start asking. But then also I do that just because also sometimes people have, like, sensory issues where if you touch them, it's, like, triggering to them some way. So even, like, from a – it sometimes is, like, a mental, um, like, disability type thing also. So just, like, asking before you hug somebody or put your arm around or, like, hey, can I put my arm around you in in this photo? Is that okay? Like, it's not weird to ask that. Like, it's super chill to ask that. (laughs) (laughs) You never ask enough. I mean, it's just, like, I feel like, if anything, you come off as being, like, very nice. So, that's the only thing you'd have to do. What's the worst thing that could be, what could could happen for being nice? Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no (laughs) bad side. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, you know, like, there's also, like, um, going back a little bit to what you said earlier about how you don't see it as much. Mm Mm-hmm. In a way, and I don't think, I mean, this is the way that I'm kind of hearing it, so it's not your yeah. fault. No, no, no. <laughs> but, like, you know, um, in a way, what it's kind of doing is saying that if you dress more, per, per, like, more revealing in your yeah. costume choice, in your character choice, mm-hmm. that it somehow, I guess it would objectify you more. <laughs> no, but, uh, but also, like, it's just like, why are you treated differently because your character choices are sung, and then the other ones that are more revealing, it's almost more acceptable that they're going to get harassed more. Sure. And I love you for saying that. No, that's <laughs> something ridiculous. that people need yeah. to talk about more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, okay, just because I'm showing, like, a crack on my chest, that means that you can come up and, like, grab my ass or something. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that has absolutely, like, showing this, everyone has skin. We all have skin. If you want to... <laughs> 
do weird look, the internet's for that go do it on the internet like don't do it in person with people that you don't know you know like you can see as much as you want anywhere yeah. <laughs> like, and, you know and th let's just clear this all up and we're gonna have we should I, if there's one thing about this is that like women cannot objectify themselves mm -hmm. it's not possible yes it can only come from the outside absolutely mm -hmm. only in, in this case, me. I can only speak for yeah. myself. Only yeah. I have the power to objectify somebody. Mm -hmm. um, so I have to make the decision, or hopefully control myself enough. Yeah. I don't mean to sound like I'm a pariah. No, no, no. But, uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, it's on me yeah. to yeah. stop the objectification. It's yeah. not on the person wearing whether you're uh, clad or unclad. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Um, we just saw a Jessica, uh, a Jessica yeah. Rabbit down there. Sure. Mm -hmm. Probably looked amazing. Atomically yeah. correct. Yes. Good. Yeah. It was probably Stephanie. Yeah, probably actually, is. our friend Stephanie is an anatomically correct. Yeah, yeah, Jessica, yeah. so it might be her. I was just like, oh my goodness. Yeah. So you can see you know, people falling down as they're walking by, just kind of like. Yeah. 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 But and you know, like of course, I mean, I'm a, I'm a dude. I'm, a, I'm like, oh wow. Sure. You yeah. Know, um, but yeah, you have to really trigger. It has to click in yeah. your head though. Yeah. That doesn't give you permission to do anything. Yeah. She's. Yeah, I think yeah. I think some people get stuck in it because it's like we are all at Comic Con, so like everything is based on like movies or TV shows, where it's like you don't really see those people they're as not real people. people. Anymore. They're, obje yeah. they're objects. Exactly. Objectified. They are kind of objects. Yeah. Or even like people get um, confused because like at Universal or Disneyland, people are dressed up as your characters, and that's their job to take photos with you. Right. But it's like we're all just here to have a good time, yeah. like yeah. And, and to have find fun. your community. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. We're all just here to like be accepted and like chill with each other. Like yeah. I'm not here. For I'm not here for you. Like I'm here for me. So I was gonna say, like, like you said, uh, uh, because they see you at a con, they come up to you. But if you look at like, you see an attractive man, woman, mm -hmm. um, and reviewing clothing, clothing at a bar or a restaurant, do you run up to them? Exactly. Or at anywhere, church, on the street corner. It's you strange. Run up to that them. would be really <laughs> weird. <laughs> So I think if you get in that mindset when you go into a con, well, it's the same even thing, if you right? even if you were, you are going to ask. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that's kind of the big difference. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to know, uh, coming from the male perspective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So have you seen this kind of stuff? Do you get treated badly? I was actually going to like see if we could yeah. slip it in, yeah. Uh, yeah. but some t I have a certain body type that is perceived in a lot of animes and characters and stuff. And um, sometimes I find myself shirtless a lot, or like in like revealing clothing. Oh, a lot. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my God, he's taking off his shirt right now. <laughs> and these, these cosplays and these looks usually um, appeal to the LGBT community. And I've personally found like multiple times where like, why are you running up to me and like? Stroking my body—that's not something I've that I've seen it happen. It—it's and it's like it's the same rules, Cass. <laughs> I mean, I'm chill enough of a person to where like I understand like the the misconceptions that's happening. So like I know where you're coming from. This does not make it okay, and please step away from me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's still very much a thing that I feel like males experience. I don't think it's as much as a problem. Um, and it's, I feel like it's probably not seen as a problem with you. I don't. I mean, yeah. I, th I feel like the cards are a little bit different, you know. And I feel like um, it's less likely to happen to men out of fear that I would react a certain way. Whereas I feel like 
women are more pried upon in that sense. I you think know? it. I think it actually just at the root of it, it's that mm -hmm. I'm a dude that chicks generally don't want to touch me, <laughs> so I would of course love anybody. To come <laughs> to touch me. Sure, sure. So, um, I think that's kind of it. Uh, you know, and it's not it has nothing to do with uh, uh, whether you're attracted to or 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 by the LGBT community. Sure, because. Terry Crews, I think his name, he's this African-American actor. He, he used to do, he's in uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you guys. You guys yeah, yeah. yeah. Super buff guy. He's a oh, beast. Savage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's, I think he was a linebacker, and he, I think he played in the pros for a little bit. Mm -hmm. This guy is, um, he's, he's, a, he's a god. <laughs> yeah. And he was sexually harassed. And yeah, he's dude. a part of the Me Too movement. Yeah. And I follow him on Twitter. And people are saying, why don't you kick his ass? Why, you, know, you know, if I was... And, and no. you're just like, what are you doing? <laughs> no. like, stop Your size thing. has nothing to do with whether yeah. you can be harassed or not. Yeah. It, there, is, there is a power dynamic that exists. Yeah. Whether you're a 250-pound NFL linebacker. Yeah. Um, or if you're a cosplayer um, here. And maybe you have, just like you had, you had mentioned... You have this obligation to your fans to be nice and to be polite and sure. to not yeah. brush them off. That's power that you guys are giving up. Mm -hmm. um, so these these things about harassment and all that stuff, it's it's all about power dynamics. Yeah. yeah. Um, we are on your side. You I know. love yeah. this discussion. No, this is great. I love this. Is this. Such yeah. a nice topic. I like. Yeah. I, I wasn't really ready for it, but like, I'm glad that like. <laughs> yeah. I feel like in this kind of atmosphere, it's not talked about too much. So we I'll absolutely like, yeah. fight for you guys. Show, yeah. yeah. This no, is awesome. we. We want you guys to be like. We're all about like what makes you like. We have been on the outskirts of this culture forever. Sure. We want you to be comfortable and happy and. So anyway, we are getting the wrap it up signal. But anyway, thank you guys for taking time to to speak with us. Let's let's give us some cards. And if you guys are doing, if you guys are out there and you would like to promote your next appearance and all that stuff, we you know we do a show for Comic Con. We do one for Star Wars. We're based in San Diego. We're based in San Diego, but I'm pretty sure I'll be at Comic Con. Yeah. So maybe before you guys go, we can have you on as our. We do every year for Comic Con. We do a alternative Comic Con preview where oh. we, because everybody, you know, oh, hey. alternative. You're like, I must say, because everybody's like Entertainment Weekly and, yeah. and Hall H and all this other stuff. Yeah. But like, what about the steampunkers and hey. the role players and yeah. the cosplayers and all this other stuff? So we like to cover those other little things. So we'd love to have you guys That's back cool. on. Absolutely, Absolutely. Really cool. I'm down. All right. So thank Brilliant. you guys for your time. Thank, thank you, you yeah, so thank much, you uh, Chris Villain. Yes, sir. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks oh. again. Yeah, no. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, you guys want to start the show? Let's start the show.
I can't find the sugar. Good morning, everybody. Hey, listen, what you just heard there was uh, was an interview the esteemed Marquee got back at WonderCon with some cosplay experts. Uh, I'm being ha- handed something right now. Oh, yes, it was uh, with the cosplay moderators Chris Villain and Dre Ronane. And they uh, it, was, it was a little flashback to the last con, hopefully to prepare you for the next one, which is the big Comic-Con San Diego. Starting uh, today. Starting starting today. Yeah. Uh, hey, it's me, Dan Grimshay. You may have already heard that. Joining me is Marky. <laughs> Say hey, Marky. Hello again, maybe. And uh, also joining us, if, uh, if the radio gods uh, permit, we have from uh, Open Your Toys, is it Slick McFavorite? I'm here. Oh, you're kidding. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry if this show seems a little out of whack, but this was uh yeah. we haven't done a live show in a long time. Yeah. So we we're start, doing we're, we're doing live radio here. Yeah, yeah, and we started uh, before and uh we're So afraid. yeah, either uh you know, there's some confusion in the control booth about whether or not anything we said actually went out there. <laughs> so uh if it did, we apologize if this is, sounds a little repetitious. Uh if it didn't, Wow, you're a real trooper for hanging in there. I know. And uh, you know what? It's all worth talking about again. Let me just put it that way. You yeah. Know? Like, why not? Yeah. Is, cosplay. <laughs> what cosplay. is it? Yeah. How does it affect you? Is it a threat to your family? <laughs> Marky has the answers. I think if you're dressed as a Nazi, you might be. Ooh. Yeah. That's bad cosplay. Or like a Nazi zombie, even more so. That's good cosplay. <laughs> you think a Nazi zombie's good? <laughs> I, I, think, I think you're more likely to see a Nazi zombie at the Comic-Con. <laughs> That's got to be the Nazi. scariest thing ever is a Nazi zombie. Uh, no, I feel bad for You him. know, a dead Nazi is better than a live Nazi, right? <laughs> I guess you're right. I mean, but it's, yeah, it's more <laughs> devoid of consciousness, you know, so, or conscious. Yeah. 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 It's hard to blame a zombie. <laughs> it's not a little bit more hating at that moment. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it's just kind of keeping on. I don't know. But yeah, man, this is, this is it. We do this every year. We've been doing this since we were guests on the Open Your Toys podcast 10 years ago. Yeah, you you would think collectively yeah. we'd be much better at this by now. <laughs> but here we are, <laughs> Slick. Oh, it feels good. It feels good. I, w- I wish I was there. I, I wish I yeah. wasn't here. I wish I was there. But I'm glad I'm at least here. Yeah. At yeah, least in some that's form. true. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't denigrate your hereness, everybody. <laughs> well, we are we are here now, and then eventually we're going to be there. Uh, so tonight, meeting Comic Con. Yeah, yeah. Tonight's tonight's preview night. This is um, traditionally this was the time where you got to just see the show floor. I mean, that's all that it was. It was even when I first started going. Uh, preview night was still like people were still like setting up booths and stuff. You know, like it was. Really, it wasn't like this big – there wasn't a lot of pressure to, like, be there and be early and all this stuff. People just got their badges. Just breathe you know, in and out. Breathe in and out. And you kind of walk the show floor. Most of it wasn't quite put up yet. But, no, there's already programming tonight. There's already – there's previews of the preview going on tonight. Um, you know, there's already going to be a lot of stuff going on downtown. So mm-hmm. um, things have changed even since Slick has been here. So, um, yeah, yeah you wouldn't I recognize mean, that it. first, that first year, I remember we just showed up at like eight o'clock, walked up to an empty window and picked up our badges, went in. And like you say, like booths weren't even fully set up. Like there were things you couldn't even buy yet. You know, it was insane to think about even the last time I went 
what, three or four years ago that, you know, booths are sold out within 10 minutes of opening up on Wednesday and all that kind of crazy stuff. Uh, well, uh, well, the preview night begins tonight, still hours from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you two experts, when do you think the first Comic-Con line formed? It's already – there's already one for the Conan O'Brien Comic-Con, the Coco-Con, I think is what it's called. Um, so he he does a series of live – I don't know if they're broadcasted. But anyway, he they do a series of tapings for Comic-Con. And I, I do, I think it actually is called CocoCon. That sounds absolutely okay. plausible. Sounds, <laughs> and so a uh, friend of the show, Holy, Holy Hobbits, is actually in line right now. Um, so I don't know. I guess they, I don't know exactly how it's working, but they already got approved, I think, to get the Breaking Bad Day. The Breaking uh, Bad Day? Yeah, so like all of the cast, of, it's like the ten-year thing for Breaking oh, Bad, yeah, the, the anniversary yeah. thing. And so they're all going to do a big Hall H thing this year, which we're against for this particular program. We don't like Hall H, boo Hall H. But they're doing a big Coco thing. <laughs> we're inclusive here, Mark. You <laughs> shut your stupid Nazi hating mouth. You're right. And so uh, they're all. So for some reason, they're all in line right now. I don't know if this is for the actual seed or for I don't know what it is, but uh, they probably don't either. Yeah. Well. Um, in my text messages to them, um, the reason why they're going is for the pop vinyl, which is something that maybe our toy expert uh, Slick McFavorite could tell us about. Do you, did you know about these uh, exclusive pop vinyls that the Conan O'Brien show has? What in the hell is a pop vinyl, Slick? I actually, <laughs> they're the they're the Beanie Babies of the future, all of our <laughs> vinyl, pop vinyl collectors, but that's what they will be. Uh, uh, but no, so so maybe get them at the Goodwill vinyl. in a couple of years. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, I saw the first Conan one. I went to GameStop today to pick up a Black Series Clone Commander Wolf. Um, and I guess GameStop has has one of them as an exclusive for them as well. Okay. Um, I ended up getting one last year at a uh, – it was a DC Comics panel, like actual paper comic books. <laughs> I went to uh, – oh, yeah, I, I, I actually did that last year. Um, and they were giving away – and I think last year's were um, – they were – um, I believe the Conan O'Briens were all flash, like different colors of the flash, I think. Um, so I ended up having one. And then um, I checked on eBay, and those suckers were going for like $250. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I know. I was just like, what the heck? You know, and I, I actually kept mine just because I, I think it's kind of neat. I didn't really have to do much for it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh <laughs> So, so yeah, I, I thought I thought that was that was that was that was kind of cool. But yeah, I don't know what the special pop vinyls are going to be, but apparently they're worth lining up for. And it's funny because you're going to go to Comic Con and you're going to stand in so many lines, and then you're going to do this other line for something that you can just watch on TV. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense, yeah. right? Well, yeah. everything at Comic Con you can basically find somewhere else. Yeah, I mean. And that's a lot of Hall H, right? Like a lot of that stuff is going to be broadcast later. A lot of the highlights are going to come out. Maybe you get the trailer moments before anybody else does. And that in itself is why it's futile 
to actually try to do that. It's too time consuming. You don't, you know, you don't have to really do that. And the reason why we're doing our, our Pop Mecca San Diego Comic Con 2018 Alternative Spectacular Preview Show is Testify. so that you don't have to go to Hall H. We're gonna we're gonna focus on the subcultures of the pop culture. Um, and what you heard that interview, they were talking about the old cosplay. Yep, the old yeah. cosplay. Yeah, which is another uh, important part about Comic-Con. Um, and sorry again if you guys out there heard this before, but uh, there's something that's really, really special about going to Comic-Con, and it doesn't have anything to do with standing in a line. And the most memorable, the most photogenic part of Comic-Con are provided by the attendees, and these are those cosplayers. They dress up. They make their own costumes, most of them. They fabricate, they mold, they stitch. Um, a lot of them have to get in wicked awesome shape also. There was this Logan uh, a couple of years ago. This guy was ripped, right? And, I, you know, and then he, and he grew the hair out. He grew the sideburns. You know, this guy looked just like Logan. Uh. And... He was awesome. And I'm thinking this guy worked out that hard just to do this. Did you ask him? I did not. I was afraid of him because he well. was very scary. But, you know, there's, <laughs> there's, nothing, there's nothing better really than just walking around that show floor and having your picture taken with your favorite superhero. And it, they're just walking around. You know, you don't have to. Now, there, is, there are some, there's some, there's some rules. There's some decorum. Yep. And we want to share that with you here. Cosplay today. does not equal consent. Exactly. Keep your hands to yourself. Keep your hands to yourself. You ask for permission. You know, it's really simple. Hey, can I take a picture of you or can I take a picture with you? Mm-hmm. And don't get all grabby. And those should pretty much be the only two questions you, you ask. Yeah. Anything more than that, you're getting personal. You're crossing a line. <laughs> yeah, but if you're just... You know, maybe, ooh, do, have you always liked Sailor Moon or something? But uh, after that, <laughs> just stop it. Don't be a creep. Yeah, just don't creep, okay? Just t- get the picture taken and freaking move on. But uh, it's really something that um, it's this kind of this avenue, this, this, this venue for this creative talent that, that we have, you know, we as part of this, this subculture, this community. Um, and it's on display full on. It's pr- and again, I, I think it is the most photogenic thing that happens at Comic-Con. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the sheer amount. I mean, but I've, I've caught, what is it? The, the Mandalorian parade or yep. something before when there's literally 300 people dressed up as various different Mandos. Boba Fett's. Yeah. Yep. So, and no two are the same. Yeah. Yeah. And they actually take a lot of pride into how distinct they can be how creative that they can be. Um, and uh, you just marvel at it, you know, mm-hmm. good plug. Hey, Spiller, or, 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 slick. Are you there? <laughs> slick. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. What, what I'm is, here. what is, when you go, what do you dress as? <laughs> Comfortable person. The most most comfortable clothes I possibly can wear. (laughs) No, I I couldn't. I couldn't handle it. I I like my anonymity 
walking through the halls. I I couldn't I couldn't stand get being stopped every ten feet. Now, if you were you in know, a maybe, cool head maybe, to toe Optimus Prime costume, you'd be pretty anonymous too, though. <laughs> yeah, you would, yeah, you would have to stop. I, I guess that's pictures, true. But, hmm. Yeah, you would just have to stop all day. That's that's the biggest thing is. You know, you talk about cosplays and consent, like definitely never touch them, you know, not even on the shoulder or anything like that. Um, But also read the room. I mean, look at them. If they're tired, they're distressed, don't go over there and ask for a question or ask that. Yeah, don't ask for a question either. But uh, don't ask for a picture, (laughs) you know, let let these, these people are trying to enjoy their time. You know, if they're in a deep conversation with their friends walking down the halls, don't like fucking yank them to the side. You know, I, I guess I've just never been one to bother people. So, and I used to take pictures of cosplayers all the time, but I, I tended to try to uh, pick my moments as best I could. There, there are, there are times where you're just so blown away by a costume and you're just, I, I'm sorry. And I, this is how I approach somebody. I'm sorry, but I really want to take a picture of that. I mean, you look amazing. You know, that's how I do it. Yeah. You know, that's how I, that's I'm just like, I mean, I'm walking by so many of these costumes and they're, you know, various levels of impressive, but sometimes I'm just like, that is amazing. Can I please take a picture of that? And if you have that kind of, light in your eye you know you're like please can i please you look so awesome they're they're usually yeah, they grateful. might be too afraid not to <laughs> well maybe you know uh but yeah this is uh it, it's such an awesome amazing part of comic-con and which is why we kind of uh you know haphazardly started our program with it today yeah you know uh because it is so so vital to to what comic-con is um, and it involves us, you know, us as the, as the collective subculture. So, so yeah, now let's, let's, let's talk about something, um, you know, something that, that I actively love and participate in and what our co-hosts can like talk about. And that's the subculture of the toy collecting, um, slick what's, you know, what's worth getting this year. What would what would you line up for if you were here? There's not a lot, and I don't know. I don't know if that's uh, just my financial situation speaking, <laughs> like you know, trumping <laughs> trumping my 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 want. But uh, yeah, this is actually one of the the least uh, least. Uh, uh, um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Impressive years, in my opinion. And I don't know. Maybe I'm getting old. Maybe I'm not understanding some of the stuff. Again, I don't do pop vinyl. That's always one of the biggest draws for a lot of collectors. I mean, uh, Funko does over like 100 exclusives. It's ridiculous. And most of them are pop vinyl. And people just go insane trying to get 80 different exclusives. Um but I, I have some favorites. Um, let's see. Uh, Super 7 is killing it this year. Um, they always have some amazing uh, kind of uh, 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 crossover exclusives. Um, 
And one of them that I'm loving this year is they have the, what do they call it? They call it like the fanny pack of power or something like that. But it's a, it's a fanny pack that has the uh, furry, (laughs) the the furry loincloth of He-Man. So when you wear it, it looks like you're wearing the belt that He-Man wore with the, with the furry underwear. So I I thought that was a good one, you know, As, as much as, the kids in the 80s that already lived through the fanny pack craze don't want it to come back. That's exactly why kids are starting to wear fanny packs because they know their parents will never wear them again. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> fanny, packs are, <laughs> fanny packs are coming back. Uh, same for, you know, tight jeans are the same way. I wore tight-ass jeans in mid-school and never do it again. But, uh, yeah, now you're they, like the complete opposite now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, you know, I, my I, friends uh, and I are just mm-hmm. go ahead. Well, no, I I, I saw on uh, um, I, we actually posted about it on the MaddiePRadio dot com um, site, but there's this cool um, what's the the He Man Ultra Ego character Prince what Prince Adam Prince, Prince Adam. Adam Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's like this like exclusive Prince Adam. Uh, have you seen that one where, where, uh, where he's yeah. like smiling? Yeah. So that, that's one I actually pre-ordered cause there was no, oh, okay. there was no, uh, value. It, it, they charged the same price for the exclusive as they did the pre-order. So by the time you shipped it to me, it would have been the same price, but, uh, yeah, this is an, amazing. They're calling it a uh, laughing Prince Adam. And uh, it is basically the standard figure that will come out later this year, but they put this uh, laughing face on him and a pink sword and then made his uh, box rainbow foil. Um, And it's all an homage to a four non-blonde viral video that they did with uh, what's their biggest song. I can't even remember that. What's going on? Real and high. I said, yeah, yeah, what's yeah. <laughs> the worst song yeah, ever. So it is, He's got it, it loaded. It is, it's literally him looking like he's singing that. And, oh, I know. And oh, I mean, we actually, there is a link on our website, maddiepradio.com. Um, and it's, hold on a second. And if you click it, you'll hear something like this. <laughs> so if, if you're a He-Man fan or a Four Non-Blonde fan or an animation fan, you owe it to yourself to check out that video. So that is one of the things I had to order. That was okay. that was on the top of the list. Um, and and the only, I mean, besides it not being much more, it, there, it's also being sold at uh, Super 7's pop-up shop. So it's actually in the gas lamp district. Yeah. So, yep. I, you know, it's, it's one thing to have people mule stuff for you if they're at the show, but don't make them go eight blocks out of their way yeah. outside of the convention to get you stuff when you can get it yourself. Get it there. Now, and I, I've, um, I've stopped and I talked to the super seven guys and you know, the last couple of years, the way that they do this, I don't know if they're doing it again now, but 
if you want a little tip, um, if you if you're in the convention, if you're in the exhibit hall, you go to the Super Seven booth, which is which is usually on the south side um, of the convention center. So it's closest to it's closest to H. I don't know what side that is. Um, like I guess around G. I don't know. But anyway. Um, oh yeah, so they're in like yeah. yeah they're in like the art toy area that kind of. That. Yeah, yeah, they're on the very like if you're facing the convention center, it's on the they're on the very left. Um, and um, a couple for the last couple of years, like if you go up to them and you're talking to them, they'll give you like a little token, like a little coin, like a plastic coin, and you, then you take the coin to the pop up shop. And then I don't know if they if you get in quicker or whatever, but there's something about that coin. So if you're in the exhibit hall, it's worth stopping by the Super Seven booth. Um, ask them about their pop-up shop. You can get this awesome toy, and it is it, it is very handsome. <laughs> he, he is. Yeah. A, this is a good-looking toy. Um, and then <laughs> right next to them, and I don't. And my apologies. I don't remember what the name of this booth is. Slick might be able to help me figure it out. There's this company there that kind of custom makes toys, and they'll they'll like use like old like um, Star Wars cards and G.I. Joe cards, and they'll stuff them with kind of unique figures. Does this ring a bell? Yeah, it's, uh, it's DKE Toys. They're, it's That's actually it. run by, by friends of mine, Sarah Joe well, and her lovely husband. They're, they, they are amazing. One of the ones that they have this year that I got my eye on is it's the, the B. Arthur character from the – Star Wars Christmas special. Have you heard about this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm gonna I'm getting that this year. That's like one of my you know I'm really excited about that one. So it, um, Grim here is not as uh, uh, wise as far as these toy collecting goes, but they, yeah they make <laughs> their own cards and it's in the same you know 80s style Star Wars card and it's got mm-hmm. the B Arthur and it's the same type and everything like that and even on the back it's got like all the figures on the back. Little, even like a little UPS, I mean, a little UPC code on the back. Mm-hmm. So really well done. And the figures are amazing. Uh, I took a buddy with me last year, and that's where he spent his most money. And he's not even really a collector, not like a, not a, not an active or an avid, you know, uh, uh, guy. But like, but he was so impressed with all these toys that he just bought a whole bunch of them, you know. So that one's really, that's worth a stop. And there's, there's no line. Um, speaking of lines, Hasbro, um, they did something very different this year. Slick, can you kind of talk about that? Yeah, so they, um, Lego, and then another company that I hadn't heard of before, but it looks like they're handling distribution for a lot of smaller toy companies uh, called UCC, um, as well as some autographs and, and, and meet and greets did a lottery system that was all that you had to pre-register for. So um, uh, like two weeks before the con even started and, and earlier than that, if you wanted to get all the spots, you just basically had to show interest that you are interested in buying an exclusive during this part of the day on this day. But you could register for all of them. So, of course, uh, Mark and I both registered for all of them. Um, just Struck to out. See what we would get. <laughs> Struck out nothing? Nothing. Oh, did you not get any of them either? Nope. Yeah. Nope. I didn't I didn't get picked once. So, 
good and bad here is good, it means that we don't have to do like we've done before and wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and drive down to the convention center and wait in line for four hours before we're going to spend hours at a con. You know, like it's one thing to go wait in line in the middle of the morning for four or five hours. It's another thing to do that and then go to San Diego Comic-Con for 12 hours after that. Um, so good on it that you don't have to do that. The bad on it that you and I didn't get anything and yeah. we are the people that are willing to go down there at four o'clock in the morning <laughs> and go wait in that line. So now people that may not have ever wanted to wait into a, in a line to just get a ticket to wait in another line. Now they may be getting these exclusives. And I think it really opens up the door for even more scalping. Like people were like, good, that's going to get the scalpers out of there. I'm like, no, that's just going to get the average Joe guy buying everything and then trying to sell it on eBay after the show. You know, I think it's um, going to. You're think just it's creating be, new scalpers. I think it's going no to yeah. maybe maybe a little bit, but I actually think it's going to lessen um, lessen the amount of scalpers. Uh, there is there is something that um, I qualify through various ailments that I won't get into, but. I qualify for a ADA pass and, um, and they, when you already, it seems like scalping is less offensive than whatever you're about to say. No, well, well, no, no, this is it. Is that like when I'm there uh, getting that registered, like it's full of young, handsome and capable people all with the same thing. Because you Handsome? get no, they're all they all they'll they will go and they'll get this sticker. They'll go and they'll do this because for Hasbro, you don't need to wait in line in the morning to be in their ADA line. So uh, you know, and so so they would they would all go and you could see and these are the same guys that over over the years I would see them going up and down the line offering to buy your you know your limits off of you. You know, it's the same group and slick. You're going to, you would recognize these, these, these people. And, um, I think, I think what this lottery system does is that it eliminates it as an industry. It eliminates scalping as an industry. Now scalping may happen as an opportunity, but as an industry, I think it's going to really take a hit because they can, um, it's going to, um, it basically eliminates line manipulation, which is what I've seen the most of or participated in. That's true. But, um, and yeah. So, so yeah, you know, I, that's, that's why I think, yeah, there may be some, some scalping here and there, but for the most part, I think it's going to kind of lessen its ability as an industry. Slick. Yeah. Counterpoint. I, I, I think I think the one thing I, I think the one thing that might come of this as well is if you're not waiting in line for five hours to get your ticket to wait in line for another three hours, you're not apt to be like, Well, I did all that, I'm gonna buy one of everything 
or I'm going to buy yeah, everything yeah. I can here. So maybe maybe people are only buying the one or two things that really look interesting. So at the end of the day, that opens up more opportunity to people that didn't get in or, I mean, even – God help us that there might be exclusives left over afterwards to put on their website that don't sell out in 30 seconds. So, yeah. Which way would Hasbro like it? Um, What would their self-interest be most served by? They want to to sell out immediately? They are anyway. I mean, shareholders. Yeah. I mean, they well, and the whole thing is, is they always they always hold allotments back, so it sells out per day because they want to give everyone a chance. So I I think the PR people in Hasbro want everybody to feel that it's fair and that they're getting a good shake. I think you know the bottom liners say anything we don't have to ship back is more money for us. You know, it just means that there's less cost involved. So I, bottom liners would be like, sell everything out in the first two days and and then get these people off the payroll, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, of course, that's not how that works. So, Yeah. I, you know, it's it's just it's just I think it was it was a madhouse and unruly and people would get into fights. You know, and people would would yell oh, at all yeah. these Hasbro people, and and again, and you have people taking advantage of what's supposed to be a real like a, a real attempt at uh, at a more inclusive space, and that's that that whole ADA you know line. You know, it's so that people that are that can't really function, that can't really walk or stand for very very long periods of time. It was designed for that, and then you had just all these people just completely manipulate that. Um, and, it, you know, it's just – it's in a way, it's kind of hostile. So um, I'm kind of glad that they did it. I think if you were going to do a lottery system, it needed to be done with Hasbro because they don't they're – they they're not as big on the pre-orders. You know, with like the uh, Mattel people, there's a lot of pre-order. You can get that kind of stuff. It's not as important. But with Hasbro, it is it is brutal. So yeah, so yeah, um, it's just one of those things. So uh, you're gonna take a break. Well, was yeah. that uh, was that Hasbro? Uh, like, if you ignore all the horrible social aspects of that system, Hasbro had it exactly the way they wanted it, though, right? They were guaranteed to be selling out. I think anything that they did, it yeah, they're. Their main problem was just trying to maintain some order into how they sell out of their stuff. But is that their problem if they're selling out regardless? I mean, how much? Well, because what's their motivation to make it easier on you, the fan, if apparently someone's going to come buy all this stuff no matter what they do? They don't care if it's easy on us. What they care if it's easy on them. And they're going to sell out anyway, so why not have it the most pain-free way possible? And I think that this is it. Just make it, you know, just communize the whole damn process. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> Socialize <like that>. conventions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's what well, happened. Well, that's, that's what Comic-Con's been like for, what, five, six years now. It's all been a lottery. So yeah. unless yeah. unless you had been going, I mean, that's one of the beautiful parts that, 
good and bad that if you've been going all along, you are able to get your tickets almost guaranteed every year. It's the it's the people that ought not to go again. Their their spot. It's like season tickets. Their spot gets put up for grabs, and uh, you know there's a hundred people for every spot that becomes available. Well, and um, this is a, this is another thing is that like, you know, if it's if you were one of the lucky ones to get drawn for the Hasbro line, for example, you have to have your ID. And if you use a credit card, it has to be your credit card that matches your ID that matches the winning pool. So, yeah, I like you that. Know, there's, too. A, there's a lot of things. I mean, we're, we're, they're 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 really trying to scare away you know, the institution of scalping, you know, that's, that's what they're really trying to do. And, um, you know, I think that that is great because even though I have bought many things and usually when I'm in line all day, I will also max out what I buy too, because I'm there all the fucking day. Um, and you know, yeah, I'm going to go and sell some of this because it's going to pay for some of the stuff that I keep, you know, I am an opportunity, um, you know, scalper, (laughs) but, um, But it is, it's something that like, there's something about it when you see those guys work in those lines and they don't care about anything that they're buying. They're not collectors. Yeah. They don't, they, they don't yeah, respect the game, you know, and it's, uh, it's angering, you know, you're just like, oh, there's somebody that wants that pick. There's somebody that wants that really badly, you know, <laughs> and you know, you're kind of robbing them of that. So, um, so yeah, I think that was an interesting thing. Um, Lego has something. There's like this really cool, Dar- um, not not Darth Maul, this uh, Deadpool, uh, where he's kind of he's wearing chaps and a cowboy hat. So there's like this little, maybe a five dollar toy, and there's this whole line right that just wants this thing, and I just I yeah. find that just amazing. Like this little tiny Lego wow, those- toy. Yeah, a minifig, a minifig. Some of their minifigs have gone for upwards of $250 for a free giveaway. And they do a lottery, too. They did a lottery before. Their other one was weird. You stood in line, you came through, and and you hit, like, you flipped a coin on an iPad, essentially, and (laughs) heads you get a free figure tails, get back in line and do it again. Uh, wow. One year I spent, I spent three hours going through that line and never got a chance to get a free giveaway. <laughs> I remember that, that uh, one of your first years here, um, you and I, I didn't care about it, but I went with you and it was like, you put your hand in a hole in a box and you pull out a, a, a ticket oh, and yeah. if it's red or whatever. And I got you the color that you wanted, right? I mean, I got you one. Yeah. Of these, I think it was wasn't it for like a little Millennium Falcon or something? Or it was yeah, something. I, I'm a big, I'm a big like mini kit guy. So I like yeah. miniature versions of the vehicle. I like the engineering that goes into that. And that was a big thing for a long time. This is the first year I haven't seen a mini kit. Um, is uh, that was their big draw was all these different little mini kits they would do for Comic-Con as exclusives. Right on. Uh, what are the Mattel things this year that you, that you got your eyes on? <sighs> Nothing. It's amazing. Nothing at all. Like, absolutely. They even have, they have like He-Man masks and, um, and something for She-Ra, I think. But, uh, oh, a She-Ra tiara 
but yeah, um, their DC universe is, is Aquaman and Black Manta and then some other guy I don't know. Um, their Hot Wheels are are not good. I mean, I get it's an homage. I, I, I do like to, to collect. Superman. I like to collect their Hot Wheel thing. Uh, what is it this year? It's uh, so it's Superman. It's a uh, it's an homage to Episode One of Action Comics that has Superman on the cover, and the Hot Wheel is the green car that he's like picking up to picking save. Up. Yeah. I I don't know if it's Lois Lane or just a damsel in distress, whatever. But yeah, so it it got some criticism. Like really, this so is your. <laughs> So it's it's just the green car. There's no Superman no, underneath it? it. It's no, there is. There's a little okay. figurine of Superman. You know, that sounds but what awesome. is it? It's like Yeah. I, I want that. It, I'm getting again. that. I'm getting <laughs> Yeah. That sounds awesome. Well, good that, luck. That, um, that's that's always uh-huh. one of the harder ones to get. Those those hot wheel ones. Um there is um so, to take away a little bit of your thunder. Uh, I guess you. I guess this wouldn't qualify as a toy, but Sideshow Collectibles did an exclusive this year, and they haven't done that in a long time. Like a real, honest Comic Con exclusive. Have you heard about this? No. Okay. Well, uh, you know Hot Toys, right? Of course. Which is like the most detailed twelve-inch figure that you could possibly get, and they super high-end doll. It is yep. something that has clothes, sewn mm-hmm. clothes. <laughs> yeah, and different, you know, you could even swap out the heads for different facial expressions, different hands, different grips, different weapons, and, and all this other stuff. eyes that move usually, right? Yeah. Some of them do, not all of them, but yes, they, they, are, they are known for that, um, too. Um, this year, now, they've been releasing some of the prequel trilogy figures, you know, again, that Sideshow originally did. And they've been releasing the original trilogy figures again also. And this year, um, there was a Obi-Wan Kenobi came out, uh, you know, a few months back. And it actually came with a little baby Luke. So you could have Obi-Wan holding a little baby Luke. And then they came out with an Anakin Skywalker. um, And they're both fully detailed and they're really amazing. Well, the Comic-Con exclusive this year for Sideshow is the Darth Vader version of Anakin. So he's got the red eyes. Um, it, it comes with a little base. That's one of those little floaty things like, you know, from the uh, Mustavar lava pit that he was kind of mm-hmm. on. Um, and so it's really awesome. And uh, I, I got one. I'm excited about picking that up, you know? So um, it's one of the first years again, that Sideshow has really done an actual exclusive. The last time, and I don't know, I don't, I, I'm only going by memory of what I have in my closet, but I believe the last time they had a real honest to God, San Diego Comic-Con exclusive was the last Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader version that they had. And we're talking, that's like 10 years ago. It's been a long time. I remember they had like a Cobra commander, you know, around that same time they've had, that was- you know, that's my. That's one of my only dolls I own. Is a is a crimson Cobra Commander. So Cobra Commander in red. Yeah, and that and that was a sideshow thing from from Comic Con, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Where yeah, you're yeah. allowed to pre-order and pick up there. But yeah, you're right. Yes. Yeah. I didn't realize they had stopped doing doing exclusives. Again, just because they, they don't carry... It, it's just so like... They you don't know, carry a lot of my stuff. So. Yeah, well, yeah. They, and then, you know, a couple of years ago, they had a unpainted R2-D2 figure, which was... It was you were able to buy it there, but you could buy it off of their website. It wasn't like specifically a exclusive from Comic Con. So they have sold stuff there fairly recently, but it wasn't exclusive. Um, and Sideshow, over the last maybe seven eight years, has not sold anything there. It's just a show. You know they don't they don't sell things there. They don't have product. This year they do but you had to have pre-ordered it and it's just, you have to pick it up and you, it has to be you. You have to have your ID and you have to pick it up. So um, I'm really excited about that this year because I'm a big collector of the hot toys line. It's the one, you know, it's the one star Wars thing that I'm trying to be a completist on and it's, it's getting very expensive, but um, I really enjoy those figures more than anything else. So I'm excited about that. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I don't, you know, I think, uh, I think we beat that one to death, huh? Any any other collecting? Yeah, what what uh, well, if you're talking to me yeah. and Grimshea, no. No, I'm not getting anything this year. What if they have a Han Solo blaster? I'll take it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, e- it's easy to move my needle. Uh slick, uh is there anything else if money weren't an object? Mm-hmm. Your one dream uh exclusive comic-con what um not really one i mean i i don't know it's one of those things where just nothing really catches my eye um especially on the high end i've I've never collected high end i'm not a statue guy i'm not a you know a, a hot toys figure collector or anything like that um like I say, I, I think if it was maybe look at it as like a gift, like what would I want that I wouldn't buy for myself? I I yeah. gotta go back to the the He-Man loincloth fanny pack. Like that would be, <laughs> I would never that's buy it for myself. Your... But it's the most hilarious thing ever. <laughs> that's that, that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. Well, you know, there's there's always and there is something to be said about just kind of like walking around on Sunday before people start packing everything away. You start to get some good deals. If you have an extra hundred bucks burning a hole in your pocket, that's a really good time to go out there. Just kind of, you know, bring something home for yourself. You know, uh, you know, this is not the time to mule anything because anything that's worth muling is already sold out, you know. So yeah. <laughs> uh, Sunday is a, a really good time for that. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I'm not really quite interested in, but, you know, a lot of manga is going on out there. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of that stuff yeah. going on. There's also different – there's a couple of different booths of Lego. There's like a – there's Lego Lego, and then there's like a – I guess a kind of a more – for kids kind of Lego that's going on too. I don't know what that's called. Um, but, um, you know, there's all these, um, kind of smaller vendors. Um, um, and some of your friends, right? Slick, they kind of have like the more custom made stuff, the real small toys. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the art toy, the limited run stuff, you know, toys, 
like vinyl toys designed by, you know, artists and and that kind of thing are are always a huge draw. You know, we're talking about Hasbro's doing exclusives in the realm of like ten thousand. They're doing exclusives in the round range of like twenty to fifty. Yeah. You know, so a completely different realm. And and if you're in that community, you know, there's you know, there's no telling what you might pay for something that's really important to you, something that really speaks to you. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't, I mean, I think we could very, very well said. So uh, get out there, get yourself something, come home with something. Um, and, you know, swag is not a big deal this year as far as Comic-Con. When I used to go to Comic-Con 12 years ago or whatever, like, you would come home with bags of shit, just mm-hmm. stuff, oh, yeah. massive amounts of stuff. This year, I think the really cool thing, and they started this last year, were the fan sets pins. Slick, have you heard about these? No. Okay. So last year they started doing them, and when you get your – and um, the really awesome sponsored um, – San Diego Comic-Con bags that you get when you pick up your badge and, and, and your program, those have, all, those have been a big deal for the last seven or eight years, but, you know, at least. Um, but th- last year, what they started doing, there's a little tiny see-through pocket on the corner of the bag, the very bottom corner, and they would tuck an enamel pin in there. Last year, there was, coming from memory... Supergirl, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Um, there was six. I don't remember all of them. Okay. Well, I got four of them there. But anyway, so they started doing the, and they're, they're, they started to do this kind of pin collecting. And every single attendee got at least one pin. And it was really cool. I, I participated in it. Um, ended up giving this one kid like 10 bucks for his pen, you know, and, you know, so I was just like, um, I was wheeling and dealing trying to collect them all. I ended up getting all six, you know, so it was, it was, it was fun for me this year. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 pins plus a bonus mystery pin. And they include the lights of Batman, Flash, Green Arrow, Catwoman, Harley Quinn, Wonder Woman, Superman, Joker, uh, Black Lightning, and um, Robin or Nightwing. I don't know which one this is. And the Martian Manhunter. And then, again, a mystery one. And so when you pick up your badges and you – well, as you walk in with your badges and you get checked in and you pick up your programs and your bags – Look at the bottom right corner of your bag, and you're going to see one of these hero pins. Um, this is the highlight of swag now. And swag, remember, stands for shit we all get. So we are all going to get pins and trade. You know, uh, I got my eyes on the Harley Quinn and the Joker. They're just they're, – they're, they're so handsome. I cannot wait. If you guys want to take a look at these, they're on the Maddie P radio website. So MaddiePRadio.com. Go to our comic con section. We have them. And then there are some that you can buy. There's like a series. I think you have to go to DC comics. Um, it says in the article, but I haven't read it, uh, but there's uh, Firestar. Um, these are comic versions, comic book versions of 
Black Lightning, Green Arrow. Um, what's the name of Superman's dog? Crypto, right? Yeah. I think it's Crypto. Yeah, Crypto, Flash, and yeah. Firestarter, or Firestar. So, you know, Schwag used to be, that's what you would come back with. So now they're kind of, you know, Schwag is a lot smaller. It's a lot more collectible. It's a lot more meaningful. There's these really cool pins, um, and that's, what's, that's what they have going on this year. Um, now, as we kind of transition here, um, we did uh, a live uh, – Holy Hobbits and I, we hosted a, a programming unpacking on Saturday night. You guys can go to our blog talk channel or go to mattypradio.com, and you can hear us just kind of talking about the schedule and about the programming. We highlighted various things. Um, and so you can kind of get a rundown of what we have our, our eyes on and some tips and things like that, but that doesn't, you know, you guys can all go and listen to that. We think it's definitely worth a listen. Uh, but there is, there's, there's something that I want to take a little bit more time to kind of focus on and Saturday morning at Comic-Con, um, San Diego Comic-Con celebrates Sid and Marty Croft, the creators of Land of the Lost, H.R. Puff and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Paint Place. I mean, these guys basically created what we know of Saturday morning, you know, in a way. In a way, and, yeah. yeah. They, were, they were an influence. They were a player. Definitely big, big-time players. And so uh, Sid and Marty Croft are going to be um, in room 23ABC, on Saturday uh, at 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. So not quite in Saturday morning, but they're going to be there on Saturday. And, you know, this is just, it's a celebration of them. Um, you know, these guys are in their 70s and 80s, I think. You know, they've been, you know, um, and uh, we really want you guys to uh, – pay your respects in a way, you know, to these guys. And um, we actually had the opportunity to speak with Marty and we recorded an awesome interview with them. Um, and we're going to bring Which you... you'll hear at a later date. Yeah, you're going to hear it at a but later date. But we do have, for the moment at least, uh, Mr. Marty Croft. He's uh, <laughs> He's been doing Comic-Con since it started. Uh, and he's got a little advice. He, he'll share with us exactly how he does it. Marty, what's, what's your secret to Comic-Con? And we'll come back on we the We were at the first one. So we go on every year, and we have a panel. But the first one, I think they had 1,000 people. Now they had about 3 million. Right? Yeah. yeah. I think it takes 20 minutes to walk across the street. Oh, oh yeah. That's only if you get there at the right time of day. Right. <laughs> right. Well, what we do, we go up in the morning by train, mm-hmm. and then we take a pedicab to the one of the doors, one of my guys meets us with the credentials. We go upstairs to a green room. We have lunch, and then we, we walk down to our where we have our panel. Mm-hmm. And then usually I'll stay for a little bit, but go back about 7 o'clock on the train. So I get out of there. Man, it sounds like you, you got it figured out. Well, I don't know if we have it figured out, but it's called survival. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. That's a that's a real seasoned veteran who has no choice but to keep going back. He's telling you how he does it. 
And he still, you notice at the end, he sticks around for a little bit, he says. Yeah. Well, he's about seven, so, you know, I'm sure he hits up a couple of things he likes. Uh, but, yeah, if you want to survive one day, keep it less than 12 hours. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> make sure you get lunch. <laughs> yeah. Spring for the pedicab. Or the bagel dog. Or the bagel dog. Yeah, God, that's that's favorite, true. Right? Yep, yep. Yep, the cold, cold bagel dogs they got. <laughs> well, it's, it's only cold in the middle. That's true. It's <laughs> all melting <laughs> steel on the outside, usually. <laughs> so, yeah, you guys have um, – I want everybody that can hear this, I, I want to I see you guys at the Sid and Marty Croft um, – it's the World of Sid and Marty Croft panel. Yeah, and that's which they've been doing Saturday. for years, and apparently they've got a big announcement this year, uh, which uh, some project is going to involve literally all of their characters. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that includes like the Mandrell sisters or all those variety shows they used to do. <laughs> kind of hope not, but it sounds to me like it's going to be like a documentary, or you know, there's a, or some kind of retrospective or. You know, I I just don't see how they're going to fit like their cartoon dogs in with their puffing stuff with their land of the lost. I I don't know either, but you know, I, we have land of the lost in our theme song, right? Yeah. Like big Saturday morning staple. It it is an absolute staple. Um, you know, yeah. And we will, uh, you, you will eventually hear that whole interview, not in this show. Not in this show. That's what you were hoping for. Go ahead. Just turn this off. No, we, we, yeah, we actually, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do a little bit more research on their, on, on what they've been able to accomplish because it's a, we're going to wait and see what this announcement is. And then too. we're going to wait to and see what the announcement is. And maybe we'll, we'll treat it with more respect. But Until then, though, it's just Comic-Con. Yeah, yeah. It's just Comic-Con, baby. And we have a lot of stuff planned, and we're going to bring you a lot of audio. Um, right now, I have a stack of things that, you know, we're going to be going to the uh, Comixology Originals um, press room. We're going to be talking to Joe Caseta and um, the people that brought Hyundai into the Marvel Universe. Um, we're going to be talking to um, the Adult Swim people. We're going to be talking. Yeah, we love to, our Adult Swim people. Yeah, that's that. We're that's a definite highlight. Um, it's going to be. Uh, is it Jackson Public? Yes, yeah, Jackson Public. Okay, so we're going to be with the with the with the Venture Brothers crew. Um, yep. New season be, might actually be coming out soon. It's coming out soon. We're going to be talking about the 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 Solaris Chronicles. Um, that's a panel that's going to be going on on, on Friday. Um, you guys are going to want to check that out. We're going to be um, – all this stuff, we covered a lot of this on our panel and packing uh, that we did on Saturday. Um, we're going to be um, – the other, the other thing, um, other, the Star Trek Discovery panel – we're going to be able to go to the press room for that as well. So we're going to bring you some audio for that. One of the Adult Swim things that I haven't heard about, I'm hoping to put you on the spot a little bit, Grim. Go ahead. Is, have you heard of Dream Corp LLC? No. Okay. I'm assuming this is something new from Adult Swim, um, but John Grice is going to be there. Mm. I love that guy. Um, I'm sure you know who he is, right? John Grice? Yeah. Well, uh, I think he used to babysit for me way <laughs> no. back in the day, right? No, no, no. He was Uncle Rico on Napoleon Dynamite. 
yeah, John yeah. Grease. Oh, yes, Grease. Of course. Okay, I'm sorry if I said if I, if I said that incorrectly. No, that's all right. You but, didn't insult um, me, just Mr. Grease. But another, I think the executive producer is going to be there again, and his name is uh, Stephen Merchant. Have you heard of him before? Oh, big gangly British guy, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, he might be the second most rich person that I'm ever going to sit next to. Ooh. Yeah. Stan Lee was the most, I think. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. Um, and then we're we're going to go. Uh, we have press access to the Her Universe fashion show that's going on on uh, Thursday. So we hope to, you know, check that out. We've never been able to attend, but, you know, it's something that it, it's a highlight of the con for many people. Um, Ashley Eckstein, who does the voice of Ahsoka Tano uh, on Star Wars Rebels and on Star Wars The Clone Wars, um, this is her company. You know, she had the foresight to say, I'm a girl. I like clothes. I like superheroes. I like Star Wars. Why don't these clothes fit me right? And so she, you know, started a company that creates, you know, geek themed apparel for the ladies. Um, and um, it's obviously a big hit. And she, well, you so know, amazing. Women be shopping. Women be shopping, loco. And so, yeah, they do. And this is legitimate, like, fashion show, like gowns and runway and crazy makeup and things like that. Like, you're not going to wear what you see at the fashion show, but it drives what all the designs are going to look like later. So it's a, it's a pretty big deal. We're excited about being able to go to that. Um, we're also going to go to the Stand Against Evil press room. Have you been watching that? Oh, stand versus evil. Yeah, stand stand against evil. Um, the uh, John C. McGinley um, oh. show. You know, oh. he was in Scrubs, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's in this show. It's it's pretty crazy. I've seen a couple episodes. I, I really like it. So we're going to be talking to them. Um, and again, all these panels, all all this stuff. You can find all this stuff. Uh, you can hear about it when we talked about it on Saturday. But also, just check out the Comic Con website. Um. All this and more. I'm not even, I'm not even going to go through the rest of it. Um, I, I, I want to get to two more things uh, before we end the program here. Um, one of them is that um, – and this can kind of go with, with Open Your Toys. Um, there, there was – there is a father to the modern action figure. Um, his name is Marty Abrams. Slick, have you heard of this name before? Uh, yeah, he's one of the uh, co-founders of GI Joe, right? Well, um, I don't. Well, I guess I don't know about that. But uh, Marty, he, have you heard this <laughs> name before? He co-found. <laughs> I, I, well, he created the Mego action figures, um, mm. and maybe they also created GI Joe figures because they're kind of similar. No, but, uh, no. Mego, I think I'm okay. thinking of a different Marty. Okay, so Mego action figures. I'm 40, almost 42 years old. My older brother had a lot of Mego action figures, M-E-G-O, Mego action figures. And they were, most of them, you know, to my memory, were superheroes. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and so on. And we're talking the complete line. Every single superhero that you saw in comic books and, superhero, and, and in cartoons. And the Mego figures were about eight inches, maybe six, probably eight. And they had clothes. They had, you know, little like like, suits, like uh, Superman had like little red boots and a red cape, cloth cape, you know. 
And you know, they had like this big snap on the back that I could remember. You know, they weren't tailored very well, but you know, when you're a kid, it was, it, you had Superman. It was yeah. there. And the Mego characters were, again, a, my older brother had it. And, you know, when he wasn't looking, I would play with those figures, you know. And, um, you know, their legs would break off. And I remember having to, like, find my dad's electrical tape and tape on the knee, you know. <laughs> and, you know, like all this kind of weird, awesome memories of these toys. I'm sure you had a couple of these Mego figures, right, Slick? Uh, I don't remember having them as a kid. Um, and, and what's crazy is, uh, I think that's what kind of leads my, my disdain for them. I, I, I'd hate to say that, but, uh, yeah, they are before my time. Again, my, my kind of focus, especially as an adult collector, is no clothes. Like, I think even as a kid, clothes reminded me too much of Barbies. Mm-hmm. So I don't like Migos. I don't like Sideshow. I don't like Hot Toys just for the simple fact that it, it is a doll. It's, it's a naked body that you dress. You know, yeah. Now, and for those of you that aren't that aren't that aren't threatened by that, like like, <laughs> like um, Migos were always. <laughs> it was, um, you know, I just, you know, I like to get my hands on anything that like. There were no three and three quarters figures of Superman, like, you yeah. know, after Migos, the Super Friends line came out, and that was probably that that transition. Um, Star Wars changed everything, but that wasn't until 77. Right. And so it was, it was GI Joe, it was Migos and then it was Star Wars. And then it kind of, things kind of blew up from there. Um, but the, the, the father of the modern action figure, Marty Abrams is going to be at Comic-Con. And it's funny that you, mention about the clothes and about how it's too much like a Barbie. Um, but we are, we are going to interview Marty Abrams on Friday morning. And we're, we're honored to do that. I, I have some of those Mego figures from, I, I have my older brother's figures cause he never took care of them. So I would take care of him. Um, and I actually have them with electrical tape, with electrical tape, whatever is we piece them together. And um, he's going to be there and we're going to interview him and he is coming and I'm going to interview this guy too with none other than Joe Namath. We are going to sit down with Marty Abrams and Joe Namath on Friday morning. I cannot wait to bring in this audio. I hope I don't screw it up. But the reason why Joe Namath is with Marty Abrams is because Joe Namath probably still is the most popular NFL player of all time. And in his peak in the late sixties and early seventies, he was selling Mr. Coffees and Pepsi and Levi's jeans. Pantyhose. And he was pantyhose. He sold pantyhose. Famously, he wore pantyhose, right? Um, And he had his own line of Mego action figures and they're going to relaunch the Joe Namath Mego action figure line. And you guys can go on MattyPRadio.com to get a kind of a glimpse as to what these figures uh, look like. Ooh la la. Uh, because um, 
You see that one right there? You see, because um, not only was he a Super Bowl winning and amazing quarterback for the New York Jets, Broadway Joe, but he wore mink coats and leather pants and the double chested wide tie 70 suits. This guy, he's a freaking legend of fashion, of pop culture. He was on every single TV show. He was, and I'm not just talking about as like, as a, like on a talk show. Um, What's the one channel, the uh, me too channel or me TV, me TV. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that long ago, maybe, maybe within the last 10 months, I was watching the Lucille ball show, not the, I love Lucy show, but this is one that that's in color later on. Joe Namath was on there as like an actor. Right. (laughs) So this guy He's famous for a uh, for a cameo on uh, the Brady Bunch too. Isn't he was it? on the Brady Bunch too, yeah. absolutely. So <laughs> this guy is, I mean, he's that transition from jock to geek or whatever you want to call it. No, yeah. But he, well, he he was a part of pop culture like no other sports figure has ever been. Maybe McEnroe, I think, could maybe kind of lean into that a little bit. O.J. Simpson for the trial. It was, it was a huge pop culture part. <laughs> I, Joe I, Montana, if you want to talk big NFL quarterbacks, I, unfortunately, I think he's got Joe Namath beat. I think you have a. I think you have a. I think you have a point on O.J. Simpson. Sadly, uh, because he was in the Naked Gun movies, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he he sold all. And he stuff. was shilling all kinds of stuff but, on TV. Uh, you know, as far as former NFL quarterbacks <laughs> that were in that were acted in television shows and that sold coffee, that sold Mr. <laughs> sold sold Mr. Coffee, coffee. And Joe that, Namath, king and, of the pile, and that didn't kill anybody. Joe Namath, I think, is the most <laughs> famous name out there. Um, and so we're absolutely honored to be able to talk to him. They have a panel. This is. Um, this is announcing the relaunch of the Mego Corporation. This is going to go on on Friday, July 20th at 1 o'clock. We are going to be there. I will have already talked to Joe Namath by then. Um, and with any luck, we'll be able to bring that audio to you. So we really want you guys to see that. And the other panel that I, that I want to highlight is, you know, um, from the bridge. Uh, from the from the bridge is a documentary um, that's taken from the pers- I guess from the perspective of the, the the SS Enterprise, the USS Enterprise. No, 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 no. I think it's just. I mean, we don't know because it hasn't been seen yet. But it's gonna it's gonna premiere. It's gonna I don't think here. it's even gonna premiere. Uh, I think he's going to introduce it. Uh, it's uh, gonna be on July nineteenth, which is on Thursday, Ballroom Twenty. So that's the second biggest room, and that's at ten a.m. And some of the panelists are going to include um, George Takei. Um, narrates say, the movie, I believe. Who narrates the movie. But um, Nichelle Nichols is going to be there. And this is going to be Nichelle Nichols' final Comic-Con appearance. Not just San Diego Comic-Con, but this is the last time. This is her final panel. Huh? This is it. We interviewed her at WonderCon last, you know, a, cu- a couple months back. But and so we're we're honored that we got just just in time we got in there. Mm-hmm. Uh but this one's going to be um the panel itself is going to be um Greg Grunberg is going to host the panel and it's going to have Nichelle Nichols, Rod Roddenberry, which is the son of Gene Roddenberry, uh Carrie O'Quinn, Tom DeSanto, 
Um, and it's and the director, Spencer F. Lee, mm-hmm. um, who we had the, the honor and privilege to interview uh, last week. So we're going to end the program with his audio to tell you all about it. But um, this movie looks great. It's it's a documentary covering just what the geek culture does to the pop culture and 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 how it uh, how they kind of keep each other going. That's that's my understanding of it. That's well, I mean, uh, all you got to do is talk to Spencer F. Lee to get a better idea. And I can arrange that. I would love that. Uh, so uh, before we start that up, I just want to say thank you to everyone listening. I uh, hope you're going to have a great Comic-Con this year, 2018. Um, I hope you get into Hall H if that's what you want. Yeah, I that. hope you just have a rewarding experience. Uh, I also want to take this time to thank Slick McFavorite from Open Your Toys. Uh, God bless you, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, guys. It's always a pleasure. I, I love doing this. Like I say, I, I wish I was there. Here. Oh, we wish you were here too, brother. Well, one of these days, after you get a job, you can you can ditch it and come on out here. <laughs> all right, uh, all right. This is your last chance. If you if you want to plug anything, slick. Are you uh, are you any any cameos in big movies or uh, TV shows you're in? You wanna you wanna let people know about? No, you can uh, you can check out my podcast. Uh, it's uh, we're dedicated to the four greatest action figure franchises of the '80s and all time, in no particular order: Star Wars, GI Joe, Master of the Universe, and Transformers. You can uh, find us over at OpenYourToys.com. Or um, if you're a toy person, you probably know Facebook is kind of the place to be right now for. Um, toy groups, uh, buy, sell, trade groups, that kind of thing, uh, you can find us there at facebook.com slash group slash open your toys. Awesome. And the, uh, the, uh, and by the way, you must be excited because that Netflix series, the toys that made us finally included that fourth missing property Which in was its what? second season. What was it? Uh, I, I, I want to say it was Transformers. Oh, okay. It has to be Transformers. No, what, yeah. What was it? That was, yeah, that was the one they, they saved uh, for the second season for no good reason. Well, yeah, they're um, doing four I, episodes. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You first. Uh, they're doing a four episode season, so yeah, they they tackled the first three in the first season. So you had Star Wars, GI Joe, Masters, and then of course Barbie, and then uh, and then this season they're doing they did. Transformers, uh, Lego, Star Trek, and Hello Kitty. Um, and really, really amazing shows. Even the hardcore, command, uh, the hardcore community is way behind these guys. You know, these, these communities can kind of be, be hard on creators, um, for misrepresenting, you know, all these warm and fuzzies that we remember as a kid. Um, but these guys really do it justice. So if you're a Netflix subscriber, um, definitely check out the toys that made us. Um, One-hour shows, just amazing documentary. Yep. And it is right down our alley here on the show, which is also from the bridge is right down our alley. It's it, they're all talking about the same phenomenon that we fumble with week in, week out, 
So if you're sick of hearing us, these people got it figured out. <laughs> yeah. And we'll... Go check that out. Toys That Made Us uh, from the bridge. Keep your ears open about that because, well, quite honestly, it's coming at you right now. Magic interview machine. Give me some Spencer Lee. And hey, everybody, thanks for joining us. It's me, Dan Grimshay, and uh, joining me is Spencer F. Lee. Spencer, how you doing? I'm doing great today. How about your stuff? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. We're gearing up for Comic-Con, which I know you are, because you've got your yes, own yes. movie you're premiering there. That's that's big yeah, it, stuff. Congrats. It, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. You know, it's very, very exciting. Uh I'm in Los Angeles right now in Hollywood, and uh, we're designing all kinds of fun things for Comic-Con next Thursday. We've been working on the design stuff for a while, but we're uh, signing off on things right now. We're, you know, I've been working on this stuff, and my, my team has my artists for a while, but now we're at the stage to where we're looking at everything and saying, okay, we're going to share this, we're going to share that. You know, we're, we're making the final selections on what we're actually going to share with everyone and we've got some really cool stuff uh, to share with everyone. We're, we're all so excited. It's ridiculous. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. You've got uh, – oh, and for those of you who don't know, the name of the movie is From the Bridge, a documentary about – well, it's uh, – I want to talk about this because we uh, – here on this show, we cover, you know, kind of the pop culture fandom, you know, uh, uh, worlds. And for we've been doing this for a few years, and every time it comes – you know, like like I should explain it to somebody. I, it's like nailing jelly to the wall. I mean, you know, good fandom and pop culture when you see it, but what are the right words to describe it? Well, you know, um, gosh, that's I do I do see your conundrum on that. You know, the right words. So, and I'm actually I've been working on finding the right words myself for the past over the past four years that I've been working on this documentary. And I have to tell you that uh, right now, the right words is about 120 minutes worth of right words. <laughs> you know, just to explain it all. That's what it's looking like right now. But I'll try to really uh, to break it down kind of simple. You know, for me, I'll, I'll tell you what it, what, why I made this movie and what this movie is about for me and what I'd like the audience hopefully to take from it. But, you know... Um, I've said this so many times, but uh, I was a few years old, you know, in the first movie I ever went to, my mom took me to see Star Wars at the drive-in theater in Monroe, Louisiana. That's where I'm from. It's a little, little rural town in northeast Louisiana, kind of in the middle of nowhere. We don't, we're 100 miles away from uh, the next biggest city, and that would be Shreveport. <laughs> so I was only a few years old, and I guess Star Wars had made a big impact. Uh, um, well, I say I guess I know it did. You know, it it, it was it changed cinema. It changed everything with science fiction and science fantasy, and all. And it's, it was a big cultural impact. So I guess my mom, you know, she was a young mother, and she probably you know looked over at me playing with toys or whatever I was doing, and thought, hey, you know, maybe it's time to take Spencer to his first movie. You know, and here's this Star Wars movie. Everyone's talking about it, and it's huge, and it, it's it's going crazy. So my mom, I didn't even know what Star Wars was. I was probably I was like five years old, maybe six, you know. And uh, so my mom takes me up there, and her, I think it was a Chevette hatchback she had, I believe. I might be wrong about that, but I think that's what it was. So we uh, so we go up there to see Star Wars, the drive-in. 
and I watch it, and I remember just being really transfixed by it. You know, uh, I mean, I was I had never seen anything like that. I was only a few years old. You know, I'd, I'd sure I'd seen TV. You know, but back in the mid late seventies, where, where I was from, you know, cable wasn't prevalent yet. You know, so there was there was only a couple of channels on TV, and every night I can't remember what time it was. Was it like maybe eleven or twelve? Somewhere around there, you might remember this, but at the end of the day, programming day, they had like they play the national anthem. Oh yeah. And then they would have like the yeah, they had like the color barcodes that would come up, and then that was the end of TV for the rest of the night. You know, the TV they wouldn't start broadcasting again until the next morning. Yeah, this you know, was so even the day, commercials. It was just you yeah, know, like nine hours of nothing but that beep and the color bars on every channel. You got it. Yeah, it, it was like now you see that and you think is it a nuclear war? Yeah. <laughs> it's a broadcast stop happening. Yeah. So our so that's what that's the world that I came from growing up. You know, there was no cable, there was no VCRs. You know, uh, if you wanted to watch TV, there was only a handful of stations, and like we're talking about, they only broadcast so many hours a day. Mm-hmm. So I think people today. Uh, a lot of younger people today that, that didn't grow up in that time period, you know, they might have grown up in the Internet age, you know, the information age, you know, so where it's like this electronic renaissance, information renaissance, you know, they they have their cell phones and their laptops. Well, we, I say they, but we, we have our cell phones and our laptops, and we have our hundreds, if not thousands of cable channels worldwide, you know, so there's like a plethora of information, you know, everything, you know, stories, news, cartoons, you know, infomercials, it's it's all there. So, but the world I came from, you know, and a lot of people in that time period, we just had limited television. You know, we only had a handful of channels. And at the end of the day, 11, 12 o'clock at night, that was all she wrote. So seeing Star Wars was such a cultural experience for so many people because of the the limitations we had in that time period when it came to entertainment. You know, of course, they had tons of great movies. You know, Star Wars was just one of many great films, but it was a film that changed everything because up before Star Wars, and, and of course, we could have the argument that 2001 Space Odyssey was definitely an intellectual science fiction film, very intellectual. I, I love that movie. Yeah. And But Star Wars came along and changed things in a different way. You know, we'd had Buck Rogers, we'd had Flash Gordon, you know, we'd had Star Trek, the original Star Trek series, we had Lost in Space. You know, there, there were shows like that we had had, but Star Wars was something entirely different. You know, it was like taking Knights of the Round Table, it was taking mythology, you know, it was taking all of that, uh, the, the samurai, Bushido Code, and it was like turning it into this, this incredible science fiction space opera. And it was just, and it was dirty too. You know, it wasn't this like future with maybe 2001 Space Odyssey or maybe Star Trek where everything was polished and shiny and nice. It wasn't that. You know, it was this desert planet with broken down rickety Millennium Falcon spaceships and people with clothes that were wrinkled and dirty. And it was it was gritty and dirty and it was just cool. You know, it yeah. changed everything. Like it's, My mom like took it me to it. It was kind of showing oh. the, the, the whole broader Star Wars world by kind of looking at the fringes of it. Whereas movies like Star Trek and star, or shows and properties like Star Trek, you know, you were looking at, you know, the top of the top of the fleet, the most decorated yeah, officers. You, you were trying to tell you the like from inside of the bubble they're describing it. And I think yeah, Star yeah, Wars absolutely. tried something else, and it was so good. Yeah, I mean George Lucas thought outside the box, you know, and um, 
it was it's such a it's such an incredible movie. You know, one, one of the top movies in the history of movies for sure. So, yeah, so here, so here we have this this mom. So my mom takes me to see Star Wars, and that was my first experience with the movie. So I like I remember my mom told me that I com- was completely changed after that. You know, I would go around the house and I'd make these little strange noises <laughs> that were like uh, my my aunt called them space noises because. It, it started after I saw Star Wars, and I just, you know, my imagination. I already had a great, a very big imagination, but Star Wars just basically was like imagination on Star Wars was on steroids for me suddenly. So it changed me, you know. And, and all of a sudden, I discovered all kinds of things. You know, uh, I discovered the Shogun Warriors uh, toys. I discovered Ultraman. You know, the Godzilla films. And then I, I discovered horror. You know, I loved horror films, you know, and, and I, prob- I probably shouldn't have been watching them at such a young age. But also in that time period, they didn't really, uh, I think, I'm not mistaken. Well, I would say this. Yeah, they didn't really enforce the the, the rules back then. Um, if you could go see an Aria movie, and there was no PG-13 movies. Those didn't exist yet. You know, we just had PG, no rating, and rated R. You know, and that was it. And, of course... No one cared. Not 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 at least where I was from. You know, North East Louisiana. You know, I guess because everyone knew it was so unrealistic. No one no one felt threatened by what we were seeing in the movies. You know, so I would go see all these like rated R horror films in theater. I remember, you know, me and my friends we loved that. You know, because we grew up out in the country. You know, we we played in the woods. We went hunting and fishing, and read comic books, and you know, went to the movies. So we would go and spend the day at the movies. You know, we we would go in the morning. And we would we would see two or three, and I'm, I'm sure we probably sometimes paid for two or three, and sometimes just kind of hung out in the theater. And I'm, I'm sure that the people that work there were like, oh, those those crazy kids again. You know, they, they've been here all day going from movie to movie to movie, and no one said anything to us, I guess, because we were spending money at the concession stand. Yeah, but I remember seeing all – what's that? Yeah, that that works. <laughs> that worked back then. Yeah, I mean, so they were, they were getting some bucks from us. And of course, movies back then weren't – as expensive as they are today, you know. I, I remember. Uh, I want to say it was like maybe two dollars or two dollars and twenty-five cents, two dollars fifty cents, something like that. And then we had the Dollar Theater, it was called Eastgate Cinema. And after a movie left the uh, the you know the two dollar, three dollar shows, after it left that, they went to the Dollar Show, and you could go see any movie at Eastgate Cinema. They had, I believe, six screens. And, you know, so then all of a sudden now we could go to Eastgate Cinema and they had a great arcade and we could play a dollar. I mean, we could pay, yeah, we could pay a dollar and be there all day <laughs> you yeah, know, going from movie to like, movie to movie and play video games. Yeah, that's four extra rounds of Space Invaders at least. Exactly, and that's what we were playing. We were playing Miss Pac-Man and we were playing uh, Galaxy or the Galaxy. I'm sorry, I mean, all, all those fun games. So it was such a unique time in history yeah, in the you, late you 70s and the early 80s. My my childhood in the early 80s, right well, there. That's, yeah, then that's then you exactly know then, yeah, what we were doing. Well, then we're probably about the same age then, which is really cool. So then we both know. So since we're both that our childhood was in the late 70s, early 80s, then we both know what cinema was like in that time period, and what pop music was like, or music in general was like in that time period. There was so much diversity. Of, from art, you know, whether it was music, whether it was movies, you know, and there wasn't there wasn't as much diversity on television. I will say that we, we were lacking in the in the television department, but there were some cool things on TV. But when it came to like feature films and it came to music, there was such a 
just so many unique styles and unique artists. And that was the thing in that time period was just to create unique art, you know, and, and be as cool as you could be. And there was so much that happened in that time period. It was really wonderful. So I guess coming from, I guess my long drawn out story, what I'm getting to <laughs> is that that is what shaped me as an artist and what shaped me as a writer. And the quality of those films were just so cool. You know, Blade Runner, you know, uh, I think of Indiana Jones, I think of the Goonies, you know, uh, gosh, we could just go on and on about, you know, Fright Night horror film, you know, the original Fright Night, it was mm-hmm. Gremlins, you know, uh, The Howling, you know, then there was um, the uh, werewolf film, uh, the, the London one, what was it? Uh, I can't believe I have any, I'm, trying to, uh, I'm having a moment where I can't remember. Yes, thank you. Yep. You know, uh, it was was it John Landis who did the special effects makeup for that, I believe. Yep. You know, and it was it was so, such a great movie. And I'm and if anyone here has not seen that film and they're listening to this interview, please go watch that movie. It is so freaking cool. Yep. And, you know, it was that movie that inspired you know when Michael Jackson did his Thriller album, which is a, a I'm not mistaken, it's probably the biggest selling album of all time, I think. Yeah, but when Michael Jackson did. Yeah, it's either Michael Jackson or it's maybe the Eagles. I, I don't know. I mean, they, they were neck and neck for a long time, you know, whether it's the Eagles' greatest hits or it's Michael Jackson. But so, yes, Michael Jackson, when he made Thriller, he was influenced by these very movies we're talking about, you know, Star Wars and American Werewolf in London. You know, the, these this was what was happening in our country in that time period. And Michael Jackson absorbed all that, and he went and made Thriller and got um, – Landis to, to do his special effects makeup for the Thriller video, which was huge. Oh my, we both know how big that was. It yeah. was crazy. Nobody big. our age I doesn't mean, remember watching that. You know the Vincent Price laugh and when he changes at the end. Oh I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it's iconic our, our, and it was served up on every TV screen, which is you know the you kind of, kind get of away the positive that came away from being very little television is almost everybody who had a television would have seen that. Oh, absolutely. You know, MTV, that was when MTV was first starting to come around and get cranking back when they actually played videos, you know, before they, um, I'm not really sure how to explain what they do today. They're more like just a regular television that seems to cater to teenagers in early 20s, you know, which, of course, we were a teenager in early 20s watching MTV during that time period of our lives as well. Well, Of course, the real world came along and changed all that. Let me ask you, do you think maybe uh, there's something wrong with 20-somethings today? Because back then, seems like it was a cooler time to me. Or is that just me being an old man? You know, I wouldn't say that there's anything wrong with them. There's, there's nothing wrong with them. You know, they're just a product of their time, just like we're a product of our time. You know, um, that's something that I think a lot of people um, make a mistake when it comes to judging current events and current history is that you can't take people out of their time period when they've done something in their life. You know, and what I mean by that is, is and, and I'm not trying to start any kind of argument or anything. I'm just, just sharing my opinion. This is nothing but my opinion. But I feel like when you look at people like George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, you know, and you look at our, our founding fathers of this country, and when I hear people say things about them and they take them out of their time period, you know, they the things they did in that time period they did because that's all they knew. You know that 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 is where they came from and that's how they 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 were. You know you can't blame them for anything they did. I mean we can frown at it and think that gosh you know we wish humanity would have been evolved 
at a, a much higher point than we were in that time period, but that's that's where they reside at. That's where they live. And I don't think you can take people out of their time period and, and judge them in our current time period today. No, because no. Because if do you start that doing that. Context. But, but let me yeah, ask you. Yeah, and if you, you start doing that, right. Let me ask you, though. Then, well, let, me, so let me finish this real quick. Let me oh, say no, one yeah, more thing, and, and then we can go. But if, but if you start taking people out of their time periods and have context, then all of a sudden you have a cascade of history through all of history of humanity. And you have to go back to all kinds of stuff, you know, slavery in the Middle East, slavery in Europe, slavery in America, you know, and, and you have to look at it that it, it's not a, a, a particular civilization or a particular racial issue. It's an issue of humanity, and it's and there's nothing new under the sun. There's there's nothing new that we're doing today that hasn't been done before for thousands of years at one point or another. So I'm a big fan of not taking people out of their um, out of their time, you know, where, where they reside at. Let them reside there, you know, because if if things didn't happen in the past, then we wouldn't be where we're at today. So we, there's got to be a progression. There's got to be an evolution of humanity and thought. Yeah. So I would say, you know, when I hear people taking people out of context in history, no matter who they are, good or bad, I, I try to, to say that, look, you know, if you if you can't learn the mistakes of the past, then you're you're doomed to fail and, and, and do the mistakes again. You know, there's a reason why history stands. You know, it's, it's so that we as a people and humanity can evolve into being better than we are today. I mean, it's a slow process. It's not going to happen overnight. But and of course, it happens in different times all around the world. But that's just where we're at right now. You know, that that's, that's my opinion at least. And I guess the reason why I'm getting into this really long, drawn-out conversation about this is that it does come back to from the bridge, because what I see in from the bridge is the direct impact of the evolution of fandom and the evolution of culture and humanity through these comic books and science fiction, horror films, and fantasy films. And what I mean by that is that whenever you see people, whenever we, I shouldn't say people, but whenever we dress up in costumes and we go see the latest Marvel blockbuster or whatever the latest blockbuster is at the moment, whoever's got the grease you know, cooking in the oven mm-hmm. at that time, whenever we go and enjoy that, what we're celebrating is not – I mean, yeah, these characters are great in costumes. They're very they cool, really cool to look at. They're super freaking cool. But we're not really celebrating the fact that Spider-Man's wearing a red and blue costume with webs all over him. We're celebrating the struggle of humanity in Spider-Man. We're celebrating his arrogance in the beginning of his life whenever his Uncle Ben died because he was selfish. And, and he lost Uncle Ben, and at that point it, it made an impact on him. And he learned the virtues of self-sacrifice, and he became a hero, and he tried to give humanity and be greater and do good. And that's what these, all these stories are. You know, whether you look at Star Wars, whether you look at Star Trek, whether you look at Marvel, DC, Transformers, they're all about, the, they're all about people, and they're all about the things that we go through in life. They're just told in a much more grand, unique way, a fantastical way. And, of course, that gets your attention. And, you know, it's modern-day mythology. You know, before yeah. I mean, yeah, we you're had describing the, archetypes, which have been like yes. the driving force of narrative for thousands of years. Yep, yep. And the only difference with what we have now with fandom is that now they're wearing different costumes. You know, they don't have a sword and a shield, and they're not fighting Medusa. You know, they're they're not. You know, so there's there's all these great stories that have existed through humanity, and their mythology. So. Mm-hmm. 
fandom Thor today is a reflection of modern day mythology. I'm sorry? I'm going to say Thor still dresses kind of similar. <laughs> right, right. Well, it depends on which version of Thor. You know, yeah, there's a, uh, there's the Marvel Thor, and then, of course, you've got the, the Image Comics Thor, you know, who has the red hair. And uh, I was a big fan of uh, Rob Liefeld's uh, Supreme story that he did in the 90s. You know, it was, it was such a great, cool character. You know, cause it was very dark. You know, you basically had this superhero that came from the golden age of heroes and he left earth, you know, and he was like so powerful, like Superman level powerful. I mean, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Supreme story or not, but he left mm-hmm. earth in the sixties and he came back as an older man. Uh, and of course, since he's got all these superpowers, he's not going to, you know, he, I guess he's immortal maybe, or he can die, but he doesn't age the same as everyone else. So he comes back to earth and he finds this completely different world of today versus when he left in the sixties. And he, and he's like really dark, you know. So that's when Rob Liefeld brought in that Thor character. It was just a, a sidage to Supreme. I'm probably getting way off base there, <laughs> but I mean, this comes back to my geekiness, right? With me geeking out and enjoying all this stuff, is I'm kind of a history buff with it as well. So I guess back to what I was saying before I got super sidetracked is that um, from the bridge is a reflection of humanity and how these genres have had such a positive impact on, on culture, on modern-day culture, you know, whether it's acceptance from diversity, you know, whether it's acceptance of sexual orientation, you know, there's, there's just, it's all a celebration of diversity and celebration of, of who we are as humanity. And the stories that these artists tell in Star Trek, Star Wars, DC, Marvel, they're all about sacrifice, and they're all about self-sacrifice to, to make humanity better because it's the right thing to do. It's common decency. And I think that that um, the Internet has uh, opened up a little bit of a Pandora's box when it comes to common decency. Because pre-Internet, people didn't, they couldn't hide behind screen names or whatnot and, and make catty comments about movies or news articles or sports or, or whatever they want to talk about. And it's not everyone that does that. I think that probably what happens is you get people that are frustrated with their day-to-day lives, and that's just how they vent. You know, they go on the Internet and they vent about something, you know, whether it's Star Wars Last Jedi, they weren't happy that Luke Skywalker didn't get to go out in a blaze of glory with his lightsaber, you know. Yeah. So they vent about it, you know, yeah. but it's all a reflection. It's all relative. nothing new, but the Internet has given yep. it. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. Mr. So anger, well. yep. But 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 the Internet kind of changed that a little bit, you know, um, and I think the Internet affected common decency a little bit. You know, I remember back when I was younger and, and maybe – Y'all do the same thing since we're from the same time period. But I remember being in my parents' house. We never locked our doors. You know, when we went to bed at night or we left the house during the day to do whatever we were going to do, we never locked the house. No one ever broke into it. We never locked it. It was just unheard of for anyone to lock their doors at their house. I mean, today I just can't imagine anyone leaving their doors unlocked. I never would. And I think about, like, gasoline, too, for example. You know, since we're in the same time period, we, we both know that there was a day in time that you went into the gas pump and you pumped your gas first, and then you went inside and paid for it afterwards, you know, because you had the common decency to not pump your gas and split. You know, so there's there's a lot of things that are different today than there were in that time period. But I have great faith in humanity, and I have great faith in people. And I think that overall people want to do good, and they do do good. You know, and and I think that From the Bridge is a reflection of that. You know, I think that I've tried to capture 
the, the struggles of self-sacrifice and helping out people and, and being good people. And that's what these fans are celebrating. You know, they're celebrating humanity and the goodness in these characters. And, of course, the really cool costumes as well. But I think the average non-fan probably doesn't really uh, analyze it to such a depth. But when I'm making this movie about the evolution of fandom in these genres, I have to study it at such a finite level, you know, and I have to correlate it to history. And, and it's, it's a great film. I mean, I probably sound like a college professor, though I'm not, obviously. But uh, it, it's very, I mean, this well, is what documentary does. Like education. you're going to, you know, put out a whole documentary about this. So good. Keep, well, yeah, that's, you got you're absolutely idea. right. It's almost like... I mean, I've spent so many, I mean, I've spent the last four, four and a half years specifically making this documentary. So I had to go back and I had to, you know, as I was putting it together, I had to go back and I had to say, okay, why am I a fan of these things? You know, why do I like Luke Skywalker? Why do I like Darth Vader? You know, why do I love to watch X-Men cartoons? And I had to go back and look at my childhood all the way back to when I was at that drive-in theater with my mom seeing Star Wars and the impact it had on me in that particular moment. And then I had to build it from there. I had to go back to understand my experience. And that's what this movie is. It's a reflection of my experience, you know, uh, my opinions and my experience and me trying to put it into a context that I think does justice to the artist as well as justice to the fans and their love of these genres. And, you know, so I guess spending four and a half years working on a movie will will, uh, will definitely open your eyes to a lot of things, that's for sure. It'll change you. I've, I've been at, this movie's changed me for the better, absolutely. You know, it's, I think it's made me a, a great, much better person. Well, now it's time Now it's time to shove it onto the world and make the world better if you can. And you're going to be doing absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, uh, you're going to be previewing it at Comic-Con. And like I was saying, I can't think of a more appropriate place. Do you have much experience with Comic-Con? I don't. You know, um, the first oh, comic book convention. You're gonna love it, right? Well, I, I gotta tell you. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm talking my head off here, right? So I probably sound like one of these people that could go out and talk their head off in public, but I'm actually not that type of person. I'm a little bit shy in public, you know. I gotta admit. So uh, if anyone sees me at Comic Con and you think that I'm just being quiet or whatever, it's just because I'm shy in person. I'm, I'm good talking on a telephone, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm good in small groups of two or three people. But you put me with 150,000 people at Comic Con. And I'm going to be like, oh, boy, here we go. You know, um, <laughs> it is, it but I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to do this. Like, I've already, like, I was terrified at first. You know, I was like, oh, my God, I was like, there's 150,000 people here. And I'm going to be giving this panel in front of, like, 4,000 people. And they're all fans of these genres. And I've made this movie. And I really want to make everyone proud, the artists and the fans. You know, so I had to basically work morning, noon, and night. <laughs> every day I wake up, I, I work from when I wake up to when I go to bed every day, but I do it with, for love. I do it for the love of the fans and the, and the artists and, and the material itself, genres. Well, well, you know what? I got good news for you because I've been to Comic-Con many times, and and all. And I'm not saying that the out of 150,000 people, I'm sure you got more than a few who are hide behind screens on their computers at home and just spew vitriol. Uh, but by and large, once everyone shows up to Comic-Con, it is the most inclusive thing you you can imagine. There, is, No one is going to be fighting over the small points while you're up there presenting this. I think everybody who goes there is so excited to be a part of that. And all your movie does, from what I understand, I've only seen the preview, but it's it's celebrating exactly what everyone is there wanting to celebrate. I think absolutely you can't go wrong. 
Well, thank you. I mean, I, I appreciate you saying that I can't go wrong, but uh, I think that there's a lot of films that thought they couldn't go wrong. <laughs> they went way wrong. So uh, I can, I can, I'm just doubling you know, back and making sure that I got all my T's crossed and my I's dotted to make the best movie I can possibly make. You know, I, I won't sell it for nothing less, and I, I owe it for it's uh, owe it to the fans and I owe it to the artists and I owe it to the characters and the stories themselves to do them justice and make a movie that is just really something that, that speaks about who we are as a people right now and, you know, what fandom is and what it means and, and why it's the biggest thing entertainment-wise in the world and why it just grows bigger and bigger and, and people just can't get enough of it. You know, it's all about humanity. It's about common decency and being good to one another and loving one another. And that's the underlying message and from the bridge is it's all about, you know, to do good, be good, be a good person self-sacrifice and do good deeds and be patient with people and understanding. And that's the underlying um, story from the bridge. Well, you know what? You can't go wrong with positive messages like that. Uh, so, and I, like I said, I think you are going to be so blown away with how much love you get at Comic-Con. You know, even if you were just showing up to uh, go see Comic-Con, and if you didn't have your own panel and your own movie, I think you would still be amazed at the kind of love that all these fans, when we're all together in the same place, it's it's a different thing. It really yeah, and it's so funny you say that about my own panel because I, you know I, I'm really enjoying doing the interviews. And I'm really enjoying sharing these clips with everyone. And yeah, there's obviously a lot more coming next week. A ton of things coming next week. Oh, yeah. But I keep catching myself every time I see another interview that I've done or another article about the film or the panel. I see my name with all these people like, you know, Michelle Nichols, Carrie O'Quinn, Greg Rungberg, you know, and then there's Spencer Uffley, and it's like, who the heck is that? <laughs> it's like, everyone knows who all these people are. You know, they're these great actors and writers and creators and magazine. You know, it's just the, the, the who's who of all of it. And then there's Spencer Uffley. <laughs> you know, so it's like, who's that? You know, so, so I, uh, so I, I guess I have, uh, I have a lot of uh, some big shoes to fill, I suppose, to be standing with giants like that because I'm, I'm absolutely not a giant like they are, but I'm, I'm proud to be telling their story. Look, actually, I think that's a perfect little metaphor right there because that is how everyone who goes to Comic-Con kind of feels. They're like, I'm standing next to Mark Hamill, and you know, you get all the, the actual celebrities and the people who are cosplaying. You feel uh, for a moment like, maybe I don't belong here. Maybe I'm not big enough, but that's not the spirit, and you get sucked right in. And you you deserve to be up on that stage. And well, if you. it helps, just tell people you're Stanley's nephew or something. You know, it's so funny you say that. I cannot tell you how many times people have asked me if I was related to Stanley. <laughs> Even people that I grew up with in Monroe who have known me since <laughs> I was a kid asked me if I was related to Stanley. I'm like, what? I'm like, no. I'm like, I'm like, Lee's not even his real last name. It's Lieberman. I'm like, I'm like, Stanley is his artist name. You know, a lot of artists have another. They they, they use a stage name or, or a writer's name, and, and that's what his is. Stan Lieberman is his real name. You know, Stanley is his is is his art name. You know, but um. Yes, I got to. I got to. Let me circle back on one thing real quick. I'm not terrified anymore to go to Comic Con. So what, I'll say. Let me think quickly. Why is it? You know, the trailer came out uh, not this past Thursday, but Thursday, the other Thursday. Mm-hmm. And um, so before the trailer came out, I was. That's when I was terrified because I had no idea what how the world and the artists were going to take the trailer, the work that I had put together, because no one had really seen anything. You know, people. 
obviously that I interviewed to make the movie knew the questions that I asked them, and I, I articulated very clearly to them what the movie was about, which I've done with you. So, so they all knew what it was about, but no one had any idea how I was going to piece it together and what images I was going to use and what style I was going to use. So I was sitting back, like, terrified. I was like, oh, my God, like the trailer's about to come out. I've got this Comic-Con panel, and just around two weeks away, what is the world going to say? You know, and the trailer came out, and uh, I've noticed that just um, – I know it's on YouTube. It's got a few thousand – I haven't looked at the YouTube channel lately, but I think it's got a few thousand views. But it went out on Facebook uh, – uh, what's say Wednesday? It went out on Facebook five days ago. And just in the last five days, just from a Facebook post, it's, it's had, I think, 160,000 views maybe Woo-wee. or more. I'm not really sure. And I've had I've had a lot of really positive feedback from the fans that saw it, and, and, and everyone's been saying, that's my movie, that's my life, that's me. You know, every, and I keep hearing that, that's me, that's my life, that's my movie. And that's the common thing that I keep, I say hearing, but I keep reading on the Internet is those comments. So it's the fans. I have to thank the fans for cheering my being terrified, you know, because they gave me the strength to not be terrified when I go to Comic-Con next week. Because before the trailer came out and I read that stuff, I was scared to death. But now I'm not, I'm not sweating it at all. Like, I'm, I'm, as a matter of fact, it even made me, it, if anything, it made me realize I had even bigger shoes to fill and I had to do an even better job. So I even doubled down in, in trying to do even better than I was before. You know, just because the fans, the positive impact they've had, it's only, it's like re-energized me and reborn me and gave me all kinds of new energy to create and, you know, make the movie even better. Well, listen, just talking so to, to you for So I thank fans for that. Thank you all for all the kind words. What's that? Uh, look, just talking to you for a few minutes here, I can tell that, first of all, you and I have had a very similar upbringing. You know, everyone who was alive back then lived in the same world, but I think you and I and a lot of other people, we were looking at the same things. We were thinking about the same things, asking the same questions, and the love that you have for this is coming out so well. I, As long as, you know, you got the, uh, the, 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 the sound synced up right on the documentary, you can't fail. I think <laughs> right, and, and sound – and- I don't know if the average person knows this, but sound is probably the number one important element in a movie. It's sound more so than the actors, more so than me, the director, you know, more so than anything. It's sound because if it, if you don't have your sound right, it doesn't sound good. And no one's going to be pulled along to the story. So yeah, sound, sound is extremely important. We're actually scoring uh, this, the score for, from the bridge. I haven't said this publicly before. I don't believe so, but we are scoring it from a live orchestra. You know, Ooh. so it's going to be, an, yeah, it's going to be an original score. And I believe, uh, unless we've changed plans, we were looking at a couple of different uh, orchestras. I think we're going to go uh, record it in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, there's a, uh, there's an orchestra there that um, that's really good. Oh, that's awesome, And, yes, man. it's you original like, score. You're living a dream here. <laughs> um, thank you. And I have to say, once it's finally edited and I sign the last, I sign off from the last, microseconds that are falling into place in the film, I'm probably going to go away for like two weeks. <laughs> I'm already like looking, where am I going to go? Is it going to be Alaska? Is it going to be Wyoming? Where in the middle of nowhere am I going to go? And basically, I'm going to write for a couple of weeks. I've got, a, I've got a script that I've been finishing up that I haven't been able to finish uh, because I've been you know putting all my heart and soul into From the Bridge. But as soon as that edit's done... You know, and I have my schedule of what I have to do to promote it. I'm I'm zipping out somewhere for a couple of weeks, looking like Wyoming at the moment. 
Hey, there so, you go. Man, what you deserve. If if it wasn't a script to finish, I would say maybe you. Once it comes out, you might be amazed how much fun you have. But no, you got work to do. Go to Wyoming. Oh, get I'm that done. I'll keep you. an eye on the uh, on the ranch here. Don't you worry. Awesome. Thank you. You got it. Well, listen, Spencer. I'm real. I really had a good time talking to you, man. Uh, another real fan Thank you. like you. Hey, let me. Really I, I do want to say just cool. Let me just say one more quick thing. Sure. I, I just want everyone to know that's listening to this interview that I'm extremely positive for the future of humanity and mankind. I'm very, very positive, and this movie is very positive. And I know that during this interview, we talked about historical figures from 100 years ago or maybe history from 1,000 years ago and whatnot. But I just wanted to to let uh, to say my opinion of the point of this is that mankind is evolving to what it's going to be in the future, and you have to be patient. You know, uh, evolution and, and doesn't happen overnight. You know, it, it's, it fits and spurts, and it comes and it goes, and we make mistakes, and we do things right, and we do things wrong, and we learn from what we do wrong to make sure we don't repeat it, hopefully not at least. And I have faith. You know, I think that people are coming together more and more. And I think that, uh, you know, I think, I think we, I think humanity's got a bright future and I'm very positive for what the world, you know, what we're, we're going as people worldwide. Yeah. And that's where this movie is very positive. Okay. So everyone out there just know that history had to happen so that we could learn from our mistakes to be better in the future. Yeah, and also keep in mind, history is happening. History is still happening right now. It's all absolutely. It will change slowly. We won't live to see it. Uh, you know, unless the singularity happens early, in which case we'll right. get digitized and uh, all live in computer bodies. But uh, if, on, honestly, I don't think that's going to be so bad either. I uh, yeah. right. Well, of course, the, of course, I keep reading articles here and there where quantum scientists uh, try to say that we're already living in a simulation. is <laughs> what it already is. But, hey, you know. Too. I tried to fly, and it, it, apparently it's not like lucid dreaming if it is a simulation, which is a shame. But, but what, what, we, what we perceive in life that's in common with the simulation is that, you know, obviously there was a creator that created the universe and us, you know. And I think the idea behind that we're living in a simulation is the same idea. They're just trying to explain how we were created. And that's the 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 only way the human mind can comprehend that beyond you know the all father creator supernatural aspect is that they try to put a natural aspect to it, and of course that would be computer programming because that's what they understand. So you know, everything I try to, I try to break everything down, make sense of it the best I can with my limited understanding. <laughs> and I, I and I agree with you. I think it still opens up the whole chicken and the egg question as to who created the simulation or who created whoever created the simulation. I, that's a rabbit hole I don't want to get down because yeah, and you know what? Look, life is all about mysteries. I mean, I mean, we live from when we're born to when we die. You know, when our end time comes, it's all about solving mysteries. And we might, and there's a lot of mysteries that we've already solved, and but we won't solve them all in our lifetime. You know, that that's for our our children to do. You know, if it's for whatever whatever mysteries they solve in the future. Yeah. yeah. Whether it's life and space, bastards do some yeah. of the work. Yeah, I mean, whether it's whether it's like DNA and RNA, or whether it's life in space, or you know, whatever it is we discover, you know, there's there's more to come. We won't see it all in our lifetimes, but mankind will always push forward. Oh yeah, I think uh, you know, even though we are as a society, well, obviously up to this point as scientifically minded and achieved as we've ever been in history. I think really all we've been doing is uh, setting out the right questions. 
As far as answers go, we're not even achieving those. The things we learn just help us phrase the next question better. So it's going to be a long time. I'm not holding my breath anymore. But maybe one day yeah, I'll get to um, fly in the atmosphere, and I'll be happy with that. That would be the coolest SpaceX. You know, I have to admit, another one of my terrified things. I love the idea of, of taking a rocket ship into space and looking down at the Earth, but I'm terrified that it's gonna, something's going to happen on the way up there. I'm the very person that's been flying for, like, I don't know, like, what, almost 30 years I've been flying, and it doesn't matter. Every time I fly, I still get nervous when I go to the airport. Just going to the airport makes me nervous before I even get on the plane. So it's just my, just my human nature, my quirks. You know, it's quirks that make all this – everyone's quirks is what makes them individual and unique. You know, that's just my set of quirks. Yep, and that's, uh, you know what, it's a big, wide world, and it's going to keep going. So everybody keep that in mind. It's not as bad now as you think, and it's... Yep, just be good, be kind to everyone, and be good to everyone. Be patient with people, and know that not everyone is, is where they're going to be, and you know, and help them get to where they need to be. Patience, patience and kindness and love. Yep. And you know that's what, what that's those what are actually... As a great way to end because those are all very important qualities at Comic-Con where there are 150,000 people. And despite the love, it's very crowded. You're going to need some kindness, yep. some patience, and some love to put up with those lines. And that's a great oh, absolutely. metaphor right there. Well, everyone you know, everyone at Comic-Con, if y'all see me, I'll be in the From the Bridge t-shirt. Say hey. Hopefully I won't be terrified. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully by Sunday there's going to be hundreds and hundreds of other from the bridge T-shirts. I hope you're bringing some swag. Yeah, yeah. No, we actually they uh, just a couple of days ago they sent me the designs for some black jackets and some black T-shirts with the yellow from the bridge logo on it. It looked really cool, and uh, those were nice. And then yesterday, I actually designed a whole bunch of from the bridge T-shirts, like all kinds of stuff, like girl pink ones for girls with silver in the middle of it. I've got navy blue ones with orange. I've got some black ones with like the universe inside the logo. I've been designing all kinds of T-shirts. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to order them probably today to make sure they're made in time. But I'm gonna be passing out tons of really cool T-shirts, all kinds. All right, I love it. I'm gonna be looking for one of those. And uh, yeah, say hey to me. Yeah, you, I'm assuming you're, you're gonna be at the panel. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not. Uh, awesome. If not me, then one of our guys is gonna be there. We're definitely gonna get it covered. Uh, but I well, look, please introduce grab your... a T-shirt. Yes, please introduce yourself to me and tell me that, hey, I'm the guy that interviewed you and you went off on a tangent about history and everything else, and <laughs> I will definitely remember that. <laughs> and I'll hook you up with a few T-shirts. Oh, I love it, Spencer. Thanks. All right, now that's enough. Thank you Get so back much. to work finishing this monster. Right, thank you. Have a good day. Thanks. Bye-bye. Right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Bye. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Oh, this is enough of this. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 